As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. 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 And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, the show that takes a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media. Then we decide if they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed into the dark void of obscurity, never to be heard from again. My name is Steve, and with me, it's uh, Yehel's doppelganger from an alternate Earth. It's... It's Comrade Yehel. How, how are you doing, Steven? <laughs> oh, you know me. I'm just a hero of the people here. I, um, I serve the state in any way it needs to be served, and I mean anyway. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're feeding the grain to the people or whatever that rap song said. Whoa, the whoa. Russian rap song. You're, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, that was uh, that was funny that they thought a need to include rap. It's like it's like we really have to sell that this is an alternate communist version of. Um, oh, I, I love those little kind of details. You know, it actually that I know we'll get to it later, but that whole scene in part two where they're watching like the different channels in uh, Soviet-controlled uh, oh, America. Oh, 100% sold it. It was awesome. It, and it, reminded, well, it reminded me of RoboCop. Oh, you beat me to it. Oh, we need to have like a RoboCop like connection uh, bumper at some point. Um, but uh, but uh, before we jump, let's jump too far into sliders. Uh, everything uh, going well for you? You have a good week? I had quite uh, a productive week, worked on the mm -hmm. video, recorded the on-camera segments. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been piecing those together. I'd be further along, but I was sick for a couple days. But but I'm back, Steve, uh, <laughs> using uh, Prime Earth's superior American, American medicine. <laughs> American? Uh, That's the first time I've ever heard you have an, an accent of any kind. I know. It slipped in there. <laughs> Even I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you traveled to an alternate Earth, Steve, where uh, uh, my Hispanic accent uh, was never—I never lost it. That would be so weird. And, and since we're on the subject, uh, I didn't put this in the format because I thought of it after uh, you sent. Like, so if all right, let's say we had ourselves a little uh, slider uh, timer. Um, which uh, all right, just to clarify everything here, uh, dear listener, we are covering. The well, what started out as a Fox show back in the '90s, uh, the show uh, Sliders, starring uh, Jerry O'Connell and a few other uh, people <laughs> that we're going to get to here in a second, and uh, basically it's a show um, where they would um, go through wormholes to get to alternate versions of uh, Earth, more or less. So uh, I would like to ask you, uh, Agent Velasquez, what uh, alternate Earth would you like to go to? Just any kind of difference at all, any kind. Um, oh man, one where uh, you can't leave a comment on everything on the internet. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe one without um, any kind of social media, which has unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it's it's led people to believe that everyone's opinion matters and is important and is equal. And you know what, Steve? Uh, it really doesn't. I, I, I pine for the days of the early 90s, you know, before uh, the internet became as ubiquitous as it is now. And there was really not much in terms of social media where, you know, your opinions, you had to get them from TV 
<laughs> are uh, generally more educated people. A newspaper, you know, you 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 couldn't, uh, you know, it was more difficult for the Andrew Tates of the world and you know, like um, flimflam artists, if you will, to get their stranglehold on people outside of religious people, of course. And they always, uh, God always finds a way to get his money from suckers. But well, it's a it's a gift and a curse, of course. Uh, I mean, I think it's ultimately up yeah. to the individual not to be flimflammed by the flimflam artist, uh, whether it be from social media and or a mega church. Um, I forgot. I was gonna say. Oh yeah, the thing that I hate most about social media is that it uh, gives people. It, I think it gives a lot of people free pass to uh, run their mouth because they've never been punched in the face before, you know? If, yeah, you sound like Bubba from yeah. <laughs> uh, our Team 3D Academy wrestling days. Well, he, he's really rubbed off on me, uh, unfortunately, over the years. No, no, I mean, I don't know. I just think, like, people would be a lot more... They they wouldn't talk to you, like, face-to-face -face the way they do over social media. Right, right. Uh, basically. Yeah, but, absolutely, um, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a podcast for another time. I was going to say I, I want to go to an alternate uh, Earth where uh, Ultraverse and Ma Malibu Comics were successful. <laughs> I, I like how neither of us is like, I want an alternate Earth where there's world peace <laughs> or, or no diseases. We just, like, want our own personal lives to be slightly more convenient is all. Of course, uh, of course. I, I, I would love um, our uh, former band, uh, Estancia, to be as big as Nickelback. <laughs> Even bigger. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, we uh, have Ken Williams in the chat. He said that Jesus needs that fourth private jet. No, oh, yes, so, he uh, does. He does. Yes. And if you uh, want to donate, Ken, you can do that at uh, <laughs> Reptilian. Me, I, I, you well, just it. go buy comics. You can. Uh, you can go to uh, shoot. What is it? It's, it's a uh, big cartel. Reptilian. Big cartel. Yeah, big cartel. Reptilianmedia.com, and uh, just buy as many comics as uh, you think jesus needs to rise from the dead yeah yes. there you go destroy uh the trees that jesus put here uh, <laughs> any other uh alternate earths you'd like to go to before we jump into sliders um i'm sure i'll think of some along the way but i, I don't want to hold up the podcast <laughs> you know I, I guess just it, it just it would be nice to be on an earth where uh you know people uh treat each other with kindness mm -hmm. uh, and uh that there's uh no uh diseases and and no one's hungry that, that uh, would be nice. That sounds good. Also, um, no... And no religion. No <laughs> no more sequels, prequels, and remakes. That'd be great. Just uh, just new shit for a while. I, I mean, I, could... I, I'm going to place a priority on no disease, peace, and no religion. You know, uh, over, let, let uh, me no get... sequels and prequels. Let me get back to you on that. Let me get back to you on that. Because, see, I'm assuming, Steve, that... In this universe where there's everyone treats each other with kindness, there's already no prequels, and uh, no one's getting worked up over them. So you're just so talking about uh, be kind to each other. Straight up utopia is uh, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to live in a world where Star Trek is real. <laughs> I want to live real. in a world where I have to use three seashells to wipe my ass. I mean, I want to live in a world where my uh, Star Trek uh, TNG costume is my uniform. Yeah, I want to live in a world where I could cosplay as Prime from the Ultraverse, and everyone knows who I am. <laughs> you're, Steve, you got to aim higher than this. No, no, that's what I want. <laughs> Screw everything else and everybody else. I, I want the uh, Ultraverse well, why, why, why to reign supreme. 
why don't we slide into our discussion and review of sliders? All right, we'll table this for now, and uh, yeah, we'll come back to it at a later date. All right, here we go. Welcome to your feature presentation. Uh, I have to tell you, though, uh, Yehel, the episode mm. that I watched, or that we watched, obviously, um, about a you know possible alternate universe where the U.S. was living under communist rule. I mean, some people just call well, it— Well, the entire uh, uh, Earth was under uh, Soviet control. Uh, and, uh, I mean, some people just say that that's regular California, you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, but um, anyway, <laughs> it's got me living in fear, you hell, is what I'm trying mm. to say. I'm afraid that the commies are going to come back at any moment and take over— and then we'll mm. have, uh, you know, we won't own anything. I mean, the corporations, I mean, they're trying to destroy physical media. You can't even buy physical games at, what is it, Target and Walmart anymore? I mean, I'm scared. Do you have anything that could uh, help me with that? Yeah, I, I do, Steve. I brought I brought a uh, piece of 100% cotton from the 90s. Uh, <gasps> the No Fear Shirt of the Week has returned, Stephen. Oh, I I thought I had that over here on my OBS. So hold on, let me check and make take a look at it. Oh yes, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's the No Fear Shirt of the Week. Take it away. <clears throat> there are lessons to be learned from competition, but fear is not one of them. No fear. No fear. Wow. Wow. I. I, I I have found in my no fear research, which is how I'm living my 40s, um, <laughs> that there are a lot of no fear shirts that basically is just rewording no fear, mm -hmm. like stretching it out into a long sentence. Uh, and this is one of those uh, examples. You so, ever, yeah. You ever Meta wonder? D I'm sorry. That? Go ahead. I was just saying that uh, the people at no fear had no fear of derivative meta uh shirts <laughs> yeah i just wonder if like the whole no fear brand was just built on a guy who's just like doodling on his like notebook like writing out uh i don't know phrases for stickers that he'd put on a skateboard or something and then he's like i could make an entire you know fashion line out of these two words like, <laughs> and then as you said just sort of built off of it from there and uh i don't know I you know what I was thinking this week? Uh, I saw a guy at the gym wearing one of these, not a No Fear shirt, but a, have you seen these grunt style shirts? Uh, I think I may have. You know, they're one of these like weird paramilitary clothing brands that's, mm -hmm. you know, become popular with a certain sect of the popular, insecure segment of the population. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was just thinking these No Fear shirts, they're kind of like the modern, the modern equivalent is kind of like, you know, these like uber patriotic uh shirts uh that have some you know oh uh, i'm a badass because i got a big gun and then there's always like an american flag on the um on the sleeve it's kind of the equivalent of of that i got you i got you are, are you saying that might need to become a new segment <laughs> maybe I'll, uh, I'll have to look at it because i feel like there's a lot of no fear shirts and like i've told you before we're, i'm gonna have to start pulling like some from the off brand so yeah may, may, maybe okay all right well once again ladies and gentlemen this is your no fear shirt of the week you uh take take the words of your hell or the words of the shirt that he spoke and 
breathe it in and let it supercharge you for the week. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> You're well, maybe not this shirt. It looks pretty raggedy. Yeah, man, that that's got to be an OG one that someone found like under their bed, like from the actual '90s. Yeah, it's it's been through some things. I would not run this shirt under a black light based on some of the stains on it. <laughs> oh yeah, total Rorschach <laughs> test right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the visual. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so say goodbye to the No Fear shirt of the week, and we are gonna say hello to uh, Sliders and the Obscuratron here. Sliders. Yes, thank you. That, that's the one thing I do feel less. I don't know about you, but I did not get the the Sliders theme uh, when I was watching. It was just, they just sort of jumped right into it. Did yours have the uh, theme? What did you watch it on? Um, I found it. Oh, well, that must be why, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch it on, I'm kind of glad you brought this up because the show can be watched on uh, Peacock. I'm not sure if it's on the free version of Peacock or even if they still have the free version. I think they do. Um, but you can also watch it free on Vudu. Um, it'll have ads. Or if you have a Roku, you can watch it on the Roku channel for free with ads. I actually watched it on Peacock. And and I watched part two a second time on um, Roku. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've got Roku, I'd recommend watching it there. There's less ad breaks. Um and uh, they do both Peacock and Roku do have the intro for the show on nice. episode two because the pilot is at least on those services put as episode pilot episode one pilot episode part two or whatever. Uh, yeah. So this so you didn't hear the theme. I did not, but I remember the theme. I remember it was good, and of course, yes, yeah, just like you said at the end, they always go sliders, and that just yeah that used to sit with me from one week to the next. <laughs> The the one thing I miss though that they isn't in the pilot is that later on I think it might be like a few episodes into it mm-hmm. when they go to a commercial break they do the sliders yeah, whisper I remember like, that between each commercial break which uh, I, and I don't know it's so unnecessary and stupid but something about it was just like I don't know. It was cool, at least back then. No, it is cool. Absolutely. I mean, we remember it to this day. So yeah, yeah, it did its job. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. A lot of fun. And uh, so we'll just dive right into sliders here. So we are uh, reviewing or discussing, if you will, sliders, episode one and two, which is basically just the sliders pilot. When you put it together, it basically runs about an hour and a half. Um, so... What is your history with Sliders? I assume you watched it. Do you remember, like, did you watch it from the beginning? And uh, do you remember when you stopped? Yeah, I watched Sliders uh, when it was airing on TV, um, but I didn't finish it then. Um, and I, I think maybe I didn't know that Sci-Fi Channel en- ended up picking up, like, after season three or something like that. I think there's, like, five seasons altogether. Um, and then, like... Uh, I don't know, maybe like a decade ago, I watched um, the whole thing. Oh, nice. Um, and I will say uh, the quality, <laughs> it, it gets a little weird. They introduced like these guys called the Cro-Mags, which I don't, I don't think that they were aliens. Great um, hardcore band. <laughs> East Coast right, hardcore right? band. Yeah. I th- you know what's funny is I thought like I was wrong about their name being the Cro-Mags because I was like, no, I must be confusing them for the punk band. But no, mm-hmm. they're called the Cro-Mags. And I, I think they're basically still – they're not aliens. They're just like how uh, intelligent life evolved on a, diff- on a parallel Earth. So instead of humans, it's like – it's basically like 
you know, a Star Trek style alien or whatever, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're not aliens. They're just what evolved on a different Earth. And they start like chasing the sliders. And I know like later on, like Jerry O'Connell's real life brother joins the show. Oh, and... I, yeah, I remember that. That was, uh, I, I think, a time when I sort of uh, jumped, tried to jump back or slide back into sliders, if yeah. you will. Yeah. It was just so weird. Yeah, like they switch around the main sliders. I think Jerry O'Connell. No, I think he is there the whole time. I know no, he's no. at the last episode. Uh, the only one who's there throughout the entire run of the it's Rembrandt. series is you got it. Yep, Rembrandt. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I do. I feel like Jerry O'Connell does come back for the final episode, if I remember correctly, because mm-hmm. um, I have a particular memory of a scene in the final episode. Um, but uh, I I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean, I even though the quality drops. Um, I do still think it, well, uh, I I know I'm kind of giving it away here, but I do still think it's worth sticking with it. Well, I mean, I'm definitely intrigued. I've never watched the whole series. I definitely started with the pilot as it was airing. I I remember this pilot uh, quite well and watching probably the majority of the first season. I remember when I really started to like sort of lose interest was when they spoiler alert for like a 20 year old show, uh, when they killed off uh, professor Arturo, or, I mean, I just called him Sala because he's Sala from Indiana Jones. Uh, when they, cause he was like my favorite character. And when they killed him off, I was like, what, like, what are you doing? And then I, uh, came back later when Carrie Wurr was in there. Uh, you know, we are, we already talked about in previous episodes, uh, how they did a um, their species ripoff when uh, Carrie mm-hmm. Wurr gets taken over by some alien and then she acts like species, you know? Remember the movie Species? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, she, I guess they were just like, oh, we need a girl who is slightly more attractive than the regular one, so they threw her in there or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I remember that when they brought her in and mm-hmm. uh, her acting was not uh great <laughs> oh she's uh, i mean you could kind of she's never been known as a good actress she's yeah, uh, you she got by say, upon other reasons <laughs> yeah uh i mean you could kind of I, I think out of the group um sabrina lloyd who plays wade uh mm-hmm. she's probably the weakest actor mm-hmm. but i do remember her again i haven't seen this in like eight ten years i do remember her uh acting improves though as the show goes on um, and in the chat, Ken Williams pointed out that the Chromags didn't die. He said the Chromags didn't die out or lose to evolution. Yeah, they're like derived. They also came from eight from primates or something, uh, from what I remember. Um, he also said in the chat, I saw the first three or four episodes when we moved overseas for a year, came back in season three and thought it was a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, because there's like all new people. And like, I do remember the more we're talking about this. The Cro-Mags, like they, they actually come early on, like in season two. Mm-hmm. And I remember them being kind of more primate ish, more ape like. Mm-hmm. And then later they're like in season four and five, they come back and they're like, they're, they're basically like Nazis and mm-hmm. they have like advanced like craft and all this stuff. But anyways, I don't want to give away too much in case anybody wants to watch the show. Uh, in fact, I, w- I, I say we don't, we should not give them any more spoilers about the characters. Okay. Yeah, sure. We'll uh, just stick to what we watched. And uh, yeah, as you hell said, there are five seasons of Sliders. It lasted 87 episodes, ran from 1995 to 2000. Uh, the pilot, which we are about to discuss, uh, premiered March 22nd, 1995. And here is a synopsis for it and the series. <clears throat> 
a boy genius and his comrades travel to different parallel universes, trying to find their way back home. And uh, this was directed by Andy Tennant, and uh, he directed Briscoe County Jr., Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, and uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And if you're interested in reviews on those previous shows, we've already covered them. Um, and uh, this was written by the creators, uh, Tracy Torme and Robert K. Weiss. And they wrote all 87 episodes uh, together. Uh, Tracy Torme, um, he also worked on, uh, he wrote the screenplay for the movie Fire in the Sky. What are your thoughts on Fire in the Sky? You ever watched that movie? Yeah, that's the one with the uh, alien abduction, right? I remember it was like Allegedly a big when it came out. Allegedly based on a true story, yeah. I remember liking it, mm -hmm. uh, but I also, I don't think I've seen it since it came out. So Right, that might be one to, to throw in on the yeah. list. Because uh, I, I remember the scene where the guy is like on the table on the alien spaceship. I remember that scene being pretty Pretty creepy. intense, sure, absolutely. Yeah. And intense, that's actually a great way to describe it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how uh, my lovers describe me. <laughs> He lived in a tent, everyone. <laughs> but um, no, intense. <laughs> I oh, I see. I see. Z, I, Z. I have to quit the podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, so uh, Tracy Torme uh, unfortunately passed away just a few weeks ago, January fourth, twenty twenty four. Getting that news uh, actually prompted me to suggest to you hell that we finally cover sliders. So here yeah, we are. It's been on our list for a very long time. Mm -hmm. He also did 19 episodes of Saturday Night Live, uh, and uh, his writing partner, Robert K. Weiss, um, he, uh, uh, like, aside from um, sliders, he doesn't do a ton of writing. Uh, mostly a producer. He produced the, the movie Tommy Boy, uh, Weird Science, the TV show, which one day we're going to cover, uh, and the Blues Brothers movie. And um, aside from writing the 87 episodes of Sliders, he's credited as doing the story for an episode of Police Squad. And uh, I also wanted to include one of the executive producers is uh, legendary director John Landis, which I feel like he was also a producer on uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. I just feel like his name showed up in some weird place uh, previously, but he directed Blues Brothers, Animal House, uh, and American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, you know, just to, and I guess later he decided he wanted to try to produce some TV. So uh, here we are. Who are some of the uh, actors who uh, worked in this pilot? Well, uh, before I get to that, I do want to. Uh, talk about Tracy Torme uh, on Star Trek for just a second. Um, he was uh, worked on The Next Generation for the first couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, he was like a story editor mostly the first season. He did, however, write uh, this episode called The Big Goodbye, and it's like the first, uh-oh, the holodeck has malfunctioned episode. Like, that's his. So he's the one that kind of came up with that you know, trope in Star Trek about the holodeck, you know, going awry. Nice. Um, yeah, and it's actually a pretty fun episode. Some people don't like holodeck episodes, and those people are wrong. Um, <laughs> but I forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't mind a holodeck uh, episode. Me either. I think they're fun, man. They are fun. Um, any, 
Anyways, uh, and then like in season two, he wrote a few episodes, but he wrote them under like pseudonyms for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wrote the Royale, which is like a really fun one where there's like a casino in space. It's on this planet. It's it's just it's the only thing that exists is a hotel slash casino. Nice. Uh, it's a real quirky episode. But anyways, uh, moving along to the people uh, who acted in Sliders. I'm going to kind of jump around here a little bit. I know normally I go with the um, top build cast, but uh, I'm I'm not going to do that this time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start off with, hold on. Judge Wapner, right please start off with Judge, Judge Wapner. Judge is here uh, <laughs> as Judge Wapner from the People's Court. Uh, I actually wasn't going to mention him in the acting credits, but I was going to mention him in part two but yeah judge wapner is here his bailiff is here doug oh the bailiff Llewellyn, isn't there yeah, but uh, doug Llewellyn is there the, the interviewer i loved uh, it so that, i loved it yeah yeah they make a pretty fun uh appearance here um we've got linda henning no uh relation to kurt henning slash mr perfect <laughs> uh linda <laughs> linda plays uh quinn's mom mm-hmm. um mrs mallory she's uh in only five episodes though um of the show she was i i want to say the other thing she was uh in that was kind of like what she was known for was i know she was like on mork and mindy uh the petticoat junction that's what i'm looking for Mm. um where she was on 222 episodes of whatever that is (laughs) uh i've heard the name before but uh yeah some like i don't know cheesy 70s comedy i think i don't know sure uh then we've got sabrina lloyd who i mentioned earlier she played wade wells um, she hasn't acted or she hasn't been in anything in like 10 years. So her last wow. time was in 2013, mm-hmm. but she was kind of working somewhat regularly up until then. She was in a bunch of episodes of numbers, Ed, uh, she was in a movie about me called my sexiest mistake wow. uh, back in 2004. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she was on sports night for like 45 episodes. So, I mean, she, she did some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then we've got Cleveland, Cle- excuse me, Cleveland. Derek's mm-hmm. who plays Rembrandt. Um, he hasn't acted since 2011. Wait, wait, wait. Say the full name because I don't. I didn't Cle- remember this at all. Cleveland. C-L-E- no, no, no. Rembrandt. His uh, his middle name, like his suit, his stage name. Oh, uh, Rembrandt, Crying Man. Brown. Yeah, I forgot Brown. all about that. That was hilarious. I remember all about the Crying Man thing mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a composer, uh, actor, obviously he has a twin brother who acts also. And I don't know if you remember this, but whenever they have like a Rembrandt double, they use his twin brother. Yeah. I read that in the, uh, in the trivia. Yeah. 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 And, and they look, you know, I mean, obviously identical twins look like, but they really look alike. Like now, how usually... weird, how weird would it been if there was one episode where Jerry and his brother were there and Rembrandt and his brother were there. It would be like, whoa, I'm seeing double here. <laughs> well, there might be. But uh, but Jerry O'Connell's brother, they do look a lot alike, but they're not twins. Right. right, um, right. I think it's like his younger brother. But uh, I, I do remember when they had the Rembrandt double scenes. I didn't know that they were, you know, I was like 15 or something or 16. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really paying attention to credits at that time. And I didn't realize that they were using a second person or, a, you know, like a real person. For his double, and I was just like, "Wow, man, the Rembrandt double scenes always look so good." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, wow, how did they get them to touch? You know, like all kinds of stuff. I just love you. Like, I wasn't paying attention to credits back then. I was chasing tail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like I like the casting on the show, oh, but sure. I'm, I I'm almost like surprised they didn't try to cast like 
more twins on the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> in the yeah. main cast, but um, a lot. Of, I mean, on some some episodes, like the, the 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 doubles that they find on other Earths, they don't interact with our prime Earth. Right. Um, right actors so i guess it's not as important but mm-hmm. in the chat ken williams said too bad linda hamilton didn't guest star and have her twin come along i did not know linda hamilton had a twin yeah i don't think i knew that either hmm. well anyways man. so yeah thanks for telling us ken <laughs> so like i said excuse me cleveland derrick's uh plays rembrandt crying man brown mm-hmm. um and now i'm gonna go into um We've got Roger Cross. Now, he's not a major character on here. In fact, we don't see him until part two. He plays Wilkins. He's um, the Soviet Earth's uh, guy that works in the uh, – He's that's dating Wells mm-hmm. in the underground American resistance. Uh, he's actually in another sci-fi show I really liked called Dark Matter. Okay. I don't know. If, did you ever watch that? I did not. It's a, it's a pretty fun show, mm-hmm. um, and I, it's crazy. Like, this guy, like, he's one of these guys that, like, barely ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I was like, that can't be the same guy. But, yeah, he lo- mm-hmm. and he looks almost identical. It's nuts. But, anyways, uh, more importantly, Steven, he also, like Tracy Torme, worked on Star Trek. He was in one episode of Star Trek Enterprise as Tret. Uh, hold on. We've got... Uh, John Reese Davies up next. He's been in, in a million things. He's been in a uh, he was like in the Temple of Doom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last Crusade. I think he's also in, mm-hmm. and I know he's in the most recent Indiana Jones movie as well. He's actually uh, not in the Temple of Doom. That's like the only. He's in Raiders, and he's in. That's Last what it Crusade. is. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Raiders. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also. I don't know if you were aware of this, Stephen. In two episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Did you know who he plays? No, I don't know. Tell me. I, oh, I can't believe this. Steven, he plays Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> There's a hilarious episode, like the second one he's in, where I, I, I think IMDb is wrong. I think he's in three episodes, but mm-hmm. uh, there's one episode where he gets like the holographic doctor's mobile emitter and now he's like out in the real world as Leonardo da Vinci and he has to like and he helps like Captain Janeway solve like this problem to go on this adventure it's ridiculous it's good fun and uh like everything that he's in he's great he's actually one of my favorite actors like I love when he pops up in something and the guy is still working very steadily uh as well he should I think a lot of people know him from Lord of the Rings he's like the uh Dwarf. Oh, the Gimli dwarf. Yes, heavy half. You. Gimli heavy half. Yes. Uh, then finally, we've got Jerry O'Connell, who plays, uh, of course, the lead, Quinn Mallory. These days, and, and he's been in uh, quite a few things as well. I, God, I remember when he was in Joe's apartment. On, oh, uh, yeah, man. We should cover that. I don't think I've ever, I've seen like bits and pieces of that, but never all the way through. I I remember watching like the MTV. I think they were like shorts or something. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Anyways, he is uh, currently on Star Trek Lower Decks. Oh, uh, I was about to. It's weird. Like, have you seen some of the movies he's been in lately? He always plays like a sleaze bag, like producer, director. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all always always a sleaze bag for some reason. It's like yeah, Jerry. I, I think it. Baby, why? He's, I don't know. I guess guess he's kind of got that face, maybe. I don't but know. But this he was like, he started out as like the most virtuous of the kids in Stand By Me. And then 
here he is is fresh faced you know um super intelligent science kid and then i guess he got sick of all that he's like you know i really want to play some sleaze bags <laughs> <laughs> well maybe maybe he's trying to show his versatility i guess uh, I, I mean he's, he's in billions also and i think he plays a sleaze bag in billions as well <laughs> Like it's like him and um, Gary Busey's son. They're always vying for the sleaze bag roles for some reason. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Stand by Me because uh, also in Stand by Me was Will Wheaton, who went on mm-hmm. to play Wesley Crusher mm-hmm. in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Why are you rolling your eyes, Stephen? Uh, and okay. hold on. And now Will Wheaton hosts the show for Paramount called um, The Ready Room, where they basically. Every week they interview somebody from whatever Star Trek shows currently on the air at that time. Um, so they've reunited on there and talked a little bit about Stand By Me. But also Jerry O'Connell's wife, um, Rebecca Romaine, she plays, uh, uh, oh my God, Una, which is like the first officer on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Wow. We've got so many Star Trek connections. I can't contain my excitement. I, I have, I almost... Uh, had a release. This is something that Mike said in our wrestling group chat one day. He said uh, that he had a, um, oh my God, what was it? Like a, 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 a massive release of stagnant energy or something. <laughs> that is how he described like one of his orgasms. It, it was actually even worse, whatever oh, he wow. said. But uh, it was something like that. I'll look it up. But uh, that is our cast and our Star Trek connections for Sliders. I mean, so I I didn't realize that Jerry O'Connell was married to Rebecca Romaine. It's like, so I guess that if anyone has the sort of theory that Jerry O'Connell is just taking these sleazebag roles so he can, you know, ogle naked actresses and fondle them or whatever, doesn't really make sense. But I mean, hey, whatever. I'm not here to kink shame. <laughs> yeah, and before you run the bumper, it was uh, I, I almost had an incredible release of stagnant energy. <laughs> All right, uh, here it is. <laughs> ah, oh no, we just entered another Star Trek connection. Ah, who who talks like that? Uh, Mike Lobosca, Johnny Armani. <laughs> uh, he's also he dude. He got a, a a part in a Hallmark movie. It's a SAG role. Oh, nice. Um, Good for him. Good. Uh, the movie's called like something like the uh, the Secret Life of a Dominatrix. <laughs> well, <laughs> if uh, once it's out, we are going to review that. We're going to review the we crap out of br- it. Yeah, and bring him on as a. I'll bring him on as a guest. Uh, in the chat, Ken Williams uh, clarified regarding Linda Brown, Linda Brown, Linda Hamilton's twin. <laughs> Not to derail, but in the cutscenes in uh, in I guess he means like scenes that were cut from Terminator 2, mm-hmm. she was a reflection in a mirror at the end. Wow. Huh. Well, They probably good. had the camera like move, move around or something. Sure, sure. Well, good for her. Um, he also said everything comes back to Star Trek. Hard to find something that isn't. I well, I, I have a theory there, Ken and uh, listeners, that uh, in every like internet duo, be it a uh, YouTube or podcasting, there has to be at least uh, one Star Trek um, fanatic I mean, look at Mike and Jay of Red Letter Media. I mean, yeah. Mike is the Star Trek fan, and Jay <laughs> could give two shits. Uh, so it makes uh, it makes <laughs> the world go round or I, something. Jay, I, I love how like Jay has begrudgingly come to know some Star Trek. Yeah, it is uh, funny. Facts. Yeah, <laughs> it is. 
All right. What's the other guy's name? I can't remember the third Rich? guy. Uh, Rich Evans. Rich, yeah. Rich is kind of a fan too, but oh no, obviously, he loves it. yeah. I, like like Rich loves it. Mike is more like me, obsessed with it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. So jumping into sliders here on a black screen, we see the words in a San Francisco basement. And then through the scan lines of what's supposed to be a video camera. And man, did they hammer those scan lines on there. Uh, a young man with long hair is very excited. He's sort of pacing back and forth and talking about a weird thing that came out of nowhere. And then he's uh, interrupted when his mom yells down to him. And he looks at the camera and he's like, oh, I think I knocked out the power again. And mm-hmm. obviously... This is uh, our uh, hero, Quinn, uh, the boy genius, um, played by Jerry O'Connell. And uh, yeah, just sort of like a quick little cold open to make you want to continue checking out sliders here. And I I think it does that. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I agree. There's a really nice job of of establishing the the show. Um, Steve, real quick, because since you're not going to like, I'm sure it's not in your script um, or whatever because you didn't see it, but... Should we talk about the, the the theme song and the intro? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So I, I like it a lot. Uh, I the intro has like this really cool thing with like a bunch of like swirling earths, like mm-hmm. oh I remember spiraling. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, as they come out and um, like it has like uh, Quinn kind of say something like, "Oh, what if you could travel to different earths?" Uh, different dimensions, you know, same you, but different planets and like that. And then he says in a really weirdly excited tone of voice, well, I found the key. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one part that's a little strange. But then the song, it's funny to me that you said you remembered it because I thought it's like one of it's like it's just like this weird, like techno-esque song. And I think it's very forgettable. Mm -hmm. It's very 90s. the only thing I remember is that at the very end, it, they whisper sliders. Right. I mean, that's what I remember. I don't really remember the theme song, to be honest with you. Uh, I assume it's uh, composed by Dennis McCarthy, um, who was credited as a, uh, who also worked on Star Trek Enterprise and Star Trek yep. Generations. Um, Voyager, or, I think, also. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It seems like Fox. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The 90s was the time of like, I guess, science fiction, if you will. And it's like weird because, you know, for the longest time I was like, "Ooh, man, I hated the 90s. They, they suck. But now here we are 20 years removed from it, and I look back on it and I was like, there was some good stuff going on back then. Yeah, there's some, there's some decent stuff back then. Um, oh, I, Steve, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt once again. And I know that this is going to be a long episode. It already kind of is. But uh, it's already been almost an hour. But. Uh, I want to put, let people know there's a website called earthprime.com mm-hmm. uh, and it has the correct episode order. So Fox, as they and many other networks, but Fox was like super guilty of doing this back in the day. Mm-hmm. They aired uh, the show out of order, particularly in season <laughs> oh, one. Just like Spike TV with Stripperella from last week's episode, which How you should check out if they? you haven't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... If you if you want to watch sliders, you really and I've never watched in the correct order, but I do remember when I read this, like when I was watching it, that I was like, why are their clothes different at the end of one episode than they are in the first one? The next one they're sliding in and just there were some continuity things. And yeah, they have the correct order on Earth Prime that, you, that it was uh, supposed to be shown in. So I highly recommend uh, 
going there. There's also a bunch of like really neat background information. Was like, there any reason just... why they were shown out of order? Uh, I, I don't know why they were shown out of order in this particular case, but I know that, you know, a lot of times, like if they were on other shows, it's like, oh, well, sweeps is coming up. So, right. you know, we, we think that like episode seven is going to you That's know do thought. better than episode mm -hmm. four. So we're going to, you know, put episode seven at the fourth week, gotcha. uh, stuff like that. But uh, also that earthprime.com, it has like, you can download like the sliders comics from there, which I didn't know were a thing. Oh, I didn't know that either. They were put out by some company called Acclaim, like some indie label. Oh, I mean, Acclaim was the video game company, and they bought uh, Valiant Comics back in the day. Uh, and that's how Turok got his own game, basically. Oh, well, um, maybe it's that same Acclaim. It is. Uh, Trust me, it is. Oh, okay. Whoa. Don't, <laughs> don't get hot, brother. Urgh. I'm going to have a release here of what kind of energy? Stagnant energy? An incredible release of stagnant energy. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, I want to I wanna check those out. Um, but uh, yeah, good, 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 uh, good research there. Um, so jumping back in the show, we see the Sliders logo, or I guess if you're watching on Roku, you get the, uh, the theme, I would assume. And uh, now we are inside uh, Quinn's bedroom. The camera pans over posters of uh, just regular. It's weird. It's a mix of like, you know, super science geek stuff. But then there's also regular like dude stuff on the wall, like baseball stuff. And he's got a surfboard in there. It's like, yeah. like they really go out of their way to be like, hey, look, this guy's super smart, but he's also a regular guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's also a telescope and, uh, then there's, for some reason he has a uh, little dinosaur figures, um, on a shelf. And, uh, yeah, basically I, I just wrote down, I was like, man, Quinn was just into everything, wasn't he? Uh, and then we basically land on Quinn. He's asleep on his bed, clothes still on and a science text on his lap. Uh, did you happen to catch the science text and who wrote it? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't have the title written down, but it's that guy. Oh, great. You didn't either. Uh, no, perfect. no. I'm going to uh. tell you. The, you're going to know the guy because it's from a show that you used to watch when we were roommates. It's that Machicho Kiku guy, you know. Oh, Michio uh, Kaku. Oh, that's right. He's got I think the book was uh, Physics of the Future, I think is what yeah. he's reading. Something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, because I, I did recognize the book because I think I used to have that book. You would. You would, you nerd. Uh, excuse <laughs> me for uh, wanting to know about science, Stephen. Right. No, I, I support it 200%. All right. So, uh, I, what's well, up? I'll wait till you get to the character later on. All right. So, the alarm, his alarm goes off. He shoots up out of bed. He goes downstairs to the kitchen where his uh, TV mom is cooking him breakfast. She tells Quinn he works too much, just like his dead father. And that's what killed him. And uh, he was like, Mom, dad got hit by a car and he's and she was like yeah but he was driving back from work I'm like wow that's yeah, pretty funny yeah. <laughs> oh the book by the way i'm sorry i said physics of the future it's uh but that one hadn't come out yet it's hyperspace oh yeah i, I could tell the um the obscurians were going to be really pissed if you didn't correct that <laughs> i don't want i don't want the michio kaku knights to uh <laughs> come after us <laughs> michio kakians or yeah i like yours better all right, so Quinn, uh, also his mom, comments on him wearing the same clothes from yesterday. Basically, they're just trying to establish that Quinn is like sort of like your typical kind of like Doc Brown, if you will, always focusing on his work and not really caring about the other stuff. Um, 
So he goes into his basement where he watches a, a video of himself opening a portal. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm always watching videos of myself do things. Um, and uh, he's him on like the monitor says that maybe it's a gateway to another existence. And again, he's interrupted by his mom asking if he has class today. So Quinn runs back up to the kitchen grab some breakfast, kiss his mom goodbye, and he's uh, off to the races, if you will. Uh, any uh, any comments on that uh, that sort of ex- that scene there? Uh, <clears throat> no, I mean, it does a pretty good job of establishing Quinn as a character and also um, like the whole slide portal thing. It, it, it is a little like, you know, telling you instead of showing you a little bit. Um, but I also feel like you kind of almost have to with this kind of show because you, you, you know, this is on a network show, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to explain to the audience what parallel universes are because not everybody watching may have even, you know, been familiar with it. So eh, I prefer more of show than tell, but I think you kind of have to a little bit. Yeah. Plus they've got a, <clears throat> they've got a lot to pack in to their pilot here. And, you know, they're trying to sell this to, like, stupid executives. So, of course, they have to explain to the executives, you know, how everything works because they're and usually dying. I think they're also trying to use the visual effects uh, for the uh, sliding portal mm-hmm. to kind of hook, you know, viewers early on. Because oh, at yeah. the time on, t- on, you know, 90s TV, it was a pretty cool effect. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to yeah get to it here soon. I mean, you kind of saw it at the beginning through the you know, the blurry lens of the camcorder, but yeah, when, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. When they, uh, when they get to it and it's like right there, it looks awesome, but yeah, we'll get there in a sec. So cut to Quinn parks his car and, um, sort of, he's got a little shortcut through golden gate park. There was a home raving homeless man there sort of, uh, raving, uh, against like capitalism and the U S and stuff. And he tells Quinn to join the revolution and Quinn just sort of uh, gives him a nod, and then he makes his way to uh, his uh, college. And now we are inside a classroom, and this is the first time we meet uh, John Rice Davis, a.k.a. Professor Arturo. He's teaching to a near-empty class, asking for answers from bored students that just don't have any answers. And then he notices Quinn doodling a black hole, or not a black hole, but, you know, the portal, the wormhole yeah, like, on yeah. his uh, notebook. Um, then, uh, basically, I think they call it a tunnel or something. Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, then Quinn exits the class and his classmates are like, Oh gee, that professor Arturo. I mean, it's not this bad, but like, Oh, that Arturo is so lame, such a pompous windbag. But Quinn, he's all like, Oh, but he's, you know, he's so smart. And I read all of his books. He's a genius. And, uh, you know, just showing that, you know, Quinn has a uh, reverence for uh, Arturo here. Yeah, and he like really respects him, which which pays off this. This information pays off later. On top of it, it shows that even to his uh, students, Quinn is even smarter than they are or even nerdier. However you want to look at it. Yeah. And John Reese Davies, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier. He did all of his stunts, his own stunts uh, in the pilot. He insisted and uh, apparently he got banged up a few times. Like when he's rolling under a truck later, he ended up like cutting his head on a pipe or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, good good for him. Although yeah, I he, don't... Do, he does like a front flip into like bushes later on. Yeah, I remember on, that. I mean, stuff. I don't know why him. 
he would want to do that, but sure, why not? Hey, this, 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 you're talking about uh, Senator Taggart from Wing Commander 3 and 4, man. This is... <laughs> what a This man doesn't play around. Yeah, well, I mean, he was... I wonder if he actually had his legs sawed off in order to play Gimli Heavyhaft in Lord of the Rings. Yep, you... and then he uh, grew them back through just his acting prowess. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's got so much... Yeah, he's got so much character in him. He just grew his legs back. I, I like that. I'm going to believe that to the day I die. All right, so here we go. Let's move on. Uh, now, cut to... It's called, like, the Doppler Computer Store. It's more or less, I don't know, kind of like a Best Buy, if you will. And we see um, Wade, another one of our co-stars, Wade Wells, and she is telling these customers that they shouldn't buy this overpriced computer because they don't really need it. Uh, Then Quinn shows up and they chat. And then their boss uh, shows up and yells at him for being late. Also yells at Quinn. Did you catch the the boss's name? Uh, I got to be honest, uh, I did not. What was his name? Well, it's Michael Hurley. And... um... That so when Tracy Torme worked at Star Trek, Michael Hurley, uh, the Next Generation, Maurice Hurley was running uh, TNG, and Maurice was kind of known for being a bit of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, one of the executive producers, and uh, a lot of people didn't like him. And Maurice Hurley ends up leaving like uh, after season two of TNG. But yeah, Tracy Torme basically wrote this guy Michael Hurley uh, as a bit of a you know dig at Maurice Hurley. Nice, nice. Oh. Yeah, that's a fun little fact. All right, so cut to uh, Quinn returns to his awesome basement slash lab. Uh, he um, looks at a math equation on a chalkboard, like, and I don't mean just like you know, two plus two. It's like this massive equation that takes up the whole board. That he yeah, they're, 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 it's a physics. It's a physics equation. He Which, can't... if you read hyperspace or physics of the future or any of Michio Kaku's work, Stephen, you would have recognized. But well, I, I digress. Sorry, I'm more of a uh... oh, shoot. I can't remember that guy's name. There, there, there's, there's drawings in it, like your comic books, Stephen. <laughs> wow, well, I'll have to check it out. Uh, so... <laughs> hey, I'm a product of Florida schools. Don't get mad at me. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, there's no answer, and he's like, he can't figure it out. He he talks to his cat, just like I imagine Yehel talks to his cat when he's at home mm-hmm. alone. Um, yep. He says he's missing one piece of the puzzle. He watches another video of himself, which I also imagine Yehel does when he's at home alone. Uh, mm-hmm. He starts yep. talking. So, v- videos of me talking to my cat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, he watches another video of himself, and this is where he starts talking about the uh, the timing device, so uh, things can return uh, from the portal. Um, and uh, my question to you is like, is the is the timing device like when you think about sliders, does that like is that like one of those great sort of TV props that sort of sticks out to you, or is it just sort of like a meh kind of thing? I I mean, at the time it was really cool. Looking back, mm. it's kind of like looks a little silly. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do remember that they get later, they get different versions of the timer later that looks a little bit, uh, I, I don't know, just sleeker and cooler or whatever. Yep. There are three different versions. I have uh, the three timers here in the Obscuratron. Oh, for yep, our, you sure our, do. Our yeah. viewers. Uh, the first one uh, is, was made from a Motorola cell phone, the MicroTech. Yeah. And... But it makes sense, right? Because Quinn doesn't have... 
it's a prototype, you know, kind of a mm -hmm. thing. What's he going to do? He's going to use whatever he's got around from the 90s. And then they have a, a new one um, that uh, came a few uh, seasons later. And uh, it doesn't say what that one. Oh, no, it, it was supposedly made from like a, uh, a remote control from like a, a TV, basically. And then the last mm -hmm. one. Yep. I know we have uh, a lot of retro gaming enthusiasts that listen slash watch us, so get your boners ready. <laughs> it was made from a modified Sega Genesis controller. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, the curved one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny, though. I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought up the controllers, but there's an episode that I just remembered where they slide into an Earth that looks like it's the 1950s, and... They're like, oh, God, did we travel back through time? Is that a thing we can do now? Because they always are like in whatever current time it is. Sure. sure. And what this Earth, uh, what it turns out is it's still the current time. Like it's still the same year of 1995 or whatever. But mm -hmm. their technology on this Earth just progressed slower than uh, all the other Earths that they had visited. And like their timer is broke and the technology to fix it doesn't even exist. Right. <laughs> I think I remember is, that one. Yeah, and that might be where they got like one of the new remotes from or whatever. But um, oh, in the chat, <laughs> Ken says the release. Uh, I'm glad Ken is here. He's always sharing our tweets on Twitter and liking yes, them. Yes, thank you, Ken. You're sweet. Uh, and I know uh, he was uh, when I posted that we were doing sliders. He was really uh, excited about it. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Uh, jumping back into sliders here. Let's see. Um, so basically, Quinn. He films another video, a new video, saying he's going to send his cat Schrodinger into the void, but then... Or he thought about it. Right, right. He thought about it, but he's like, oh, I knew I couldn't do that and had to send himself. And oh, Schrodinger, Schrodinger's cat. Surely a simpleton such as yourself knows who Schrodinger, knows about Schrodinger's isn't it, cat. Isn't it Schrodinger's? Schrodinger, Schrodinger, well, whatever. Tomato, <laughs> tomato, right? <laughs> that Florida education art at work. All right, so uh, he decides some himself. Um, he sets the the timer, the cool little. Uh, I don't know. You, it's almost like the flux capacitor of sliders, if you will. Mm, yeah, yeah, it has um, a similar uh, display. Mm -hmm. He leaves a very heartfelt video to his mom, um, telling her like to relax and that he loves her and that he'll be fine. He opens the portal, and man, do we get an finally get an awesome like full frame shot of the portal. I mean, you already uh, waxed about it earlier, but how awesome is the portal? Yeah, I mean, even today it looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. I um, love how they do the 360 pan around. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say he like walks around the portal and mm -hmm. the camera tracking is really good on this. There, there's a later scene where there's like the doubles of uh, Quinn's character and the camera tracking is a little janky in a couple parts uh, uh, on the green screen version mm -hmm. uh, of Quinn. Uh, but yeah, uh, looks awesome. Um, yeah. I agree, and I love. Uh, and then he goes inside, and it's filled. Doesn't with, look as awesome on the inside. Ninety <laughs> CGI straight out of the lawnmower man. Another movie. This is like we... a Babylon Five yeah. uh, effect inside the tunnel. It's it's strange because at this point, so I, I think I know why they did it like this. Mm -hmm. So at this point. Um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine is already on the air. And when they go through a wormhole all the time, that's mm -hmm. a big part of the show. And their wormhole looks probably more like how you would expect them to do it and be able to do it in the 90s. 
um, where it looks kind of like ethereal and, you know, there's it, it doesn't look like like a solid piece of Play-Doh, which is what this looks like. Like <laughs> yes, you're inside a Play-Doh tunnel or something. Right. Um, and I think they were just like, oh, well, Babylon. Oh, and Babylon 5 had the jump gates and they also went through like a tunnel thing. So I think they were like just just trying to make it look different. Mm-hmm. And I think making it solid was with the technology that they had at the time, the TV budget. It's probably all that they could do, but I, I do. I'm pretty sure it ends up looking different later on in the series. Yeah, yeah. Well, the weird thing about sliders, uh, at least that I was reading, is that after it was canceled by Fox, like towards, like things got worse for them, at least like money wise. So, of course, uh, you said that you know you jumped back in at some point and things were looking bad. I mean, that was why, and then it got picked back up by uh, Sci-Fi. I mean, I don't know. If they ever had the budget that they had at the beginning here but um i mean we could only hope that the technology was there to make things look a little better <laughs> but i remember there were episodes when you would never even see the wormhole you would just hear it and there'd be like wind blowing in their face and then they jump yeah. off frame like i even back then i was like oh that's lame i didn't get to see the wormhole like i really yeah. liked that wormhole uh, but yeah, and actually, I just looked, and yeah, there are different. Uh, it does look better uh, and more like what you'd expect later on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Much, it looks way better later I, on. Actually. I mean, at this point, the idea of a wormhole filled with '90s CGI, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, th- I think part of the reason why it looks, quote unquote, so bad is that like the opening of the wormhole itself looks so good. Mm-hmm. And so cool, right. he, like if you they could you could put that effect on a TV show today and it would be fine. Sure, but once they're inside, <laughs> and they, you know what, they just should never have had them show the inside of the of the worm because there's really no need. All you have to do is show them going in the opening and then coming out the other right. end. Right, I guess they really wanted to flex their effects, like at the time. Uh, I mean, they're yeah. again. They're trying to sell this show to executives um, who, you know, sure. are, you know, graduates of the Florida education system. Uh, <laughs> you could only assume. And, uh, you know, they really, you know, want them to buy the show sliders. So and they did as much as they could. And that included 90s CGI inside the wormhole. All right. Now, moving on. So uh, he steps inside. And all right. And then he basically ends up back where he left. He I guess he assumes that it didn't work. So he gets in his car, he listens to what sounds like to me to be like coast to coast AM. You you ever listen to Mm -hmm. coast to coast? I think I did a few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's any basically radio broadcast. Uh, And then he almost has a car accident because he has indeed slid into an alternate world where red means go and green means stop. Um, right. And weren't they also driving on the wrong side of the road as well? I believe so that they were driving on yeah. the uh, left side of the road. And then there was also um, stuff on here that says Americans are crossing the border illegally to get into Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And he also sees a billboard for Elvis Live. So in this alternate Earth, Elvis is still alive. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, the stoplights are inverted. So uh, Quinn returns home, and his mom is seeing the gardener, another just sort of weird, like, random thing. Uh, and she's pregnant. Uh, then yeah. his, his timer goes off, and then so, he... What's up? 
Well, what, one other thing I wanted to like just mention real quick. And sorry, I did a lot of research. Oh, uh, please. <laughs> That's why we're here. So the world that they end up in with the Elvis billboard is actually like known as Elvis world. Okay. Uh, okay. Like I, I, that's how it's like it's cataloged like by I don't know if it's on the DVD or whatever, but that's how fans catalog it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically that there's global cooling instead of global warming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a 10 term president, John F. Kennedy. Oh, OK. Uh, so he served 10 terms. And uh, yeah, and like you mentioned, like Americans are flocking to uh, to Mexico and also compact discs lost the war to vinyl. Oh, yeah. I heard that on the radio. Yeah, that was that was funny. And, you know, that's uh, not too much different from a uh, current day. I, I don't know if you've heard, but there's been a vinyl explosion uh, these days. Just a lot of hipsters buying vinyl these days. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Um, so he uh, let's see. He, re- he returns to his normal world. Um, Quinn is excited. He sees his mom and the gardener. Then he returns to school. He shows up like in the middle of one of Professor Arturo's uh, lecture. And Professor Arturo is angry. And he like, man, nobody yells like John Rice Davies. He yells at him and tells him to like get out of his class. And uh, one thing I wrote down like, you know the uh, the Asian guy who's in Quinn's class that um sort of has a few lines. Did you notice yeah. his hair? Uh, I can't remember if there was something weird about it. it. Oh, it's very weird. It's like it's long, it's all slicked back, and then somehow it curls. Like uh, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know how I missed this. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, it's a go go back and watch it. I know you will someday, and uh, and check it out. Yeah, he's got a very odd haircut, even for the '90s. It just really hmm. uh, stuck out to me. Um, so of course, like Quinn is kind of like, why why does he hate me? And then he goes to his uh, computer store to uh, work. Uh, Wade tells him he's been fired because he told the boss to shove it or something along those lines. Uh, Wade also says that he kissed her uh, and uh, it was great. But of course, um, Quinn, he's just like too confused about anything. And so yeah, Wade... he says something to her like, why would I kiss you? We're buds. Yeah, <laughs> we're and, and you can see like Wade is like real deflated about it. Right. Which I mean, this is like sort of planting the seeds for their you know future will they want a relationship like throughout the series right and that there is a kind of a funny bit too where like because she tells wade is telling quinn that like you know the uh michael that the boss fired him and then he and he doesn't remember and then she goes oh i guess you don't remember the kiss either and uh he's like why would i kiss uh michael yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's great because that's, you know, that's very typical sort of, uh, you know, Quinn's like your typical nerd. He's only interested in science. He doesn't even like care that this. Except he's very tall and very good looking. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That that is my if I have one complaint about this show is that Quinn is almost like too likable. Um, But uh, we'll we'll get to that later. (laughs) So. he goes back home and he asks his mom if he upset her in any way. And she's like, why were you planning to? And uh, <laughs> then he returns to his uh, basement slash lab um, where he has discovered that someone has solved the, uh, the quantum equation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, uh, and then out of nowhere, Quinn himself shows up, but now his like bangs are slightly <laughs> like 
It's basically, you know, uh, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, his, his hair's like a little different. It's, it's a little bit more, slightly, more kept. Yeah, slightly different. Um, and Quinn with Bang says he's a slider, and there are multiple versions of worlds, and he's you're going to love sliding. And uh, he opens up a portal, says uh, you can't choose which. He basically lays out all the rules uh, to sliding to, uh, I guess, Earth Prime Quinn. And uh, my question to you, Yehel, is, <clears throat> all right, let's figure out exactly like what happened here so earth prime quinn he slides and so super smart quinn did he like find out about it or actually just slide into earth prime quinn's earth and then decide he's going to take advantage it's just a coincidence so uh prime quinn you know slid to another earth and then he came back Mm -hmm. and then when he comes back while he was gone, this other Quinn, well, Quinn too, slid sure. into Prime Earth, mm-hmm. and he saw that the equation was not finished. So he went ahead and finished it because, like, the uh, Quinn too, like he's a little bit like more. Uh, he's more snooty evolved. About, he's he's smarter. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little bit snooty too about like his own intelligence, and that's mm-hmm. why. And obviously, like, and one thing I love is. They never say it flat out, but like now we know that it's this other Quinn that, you know, yelled at, um, told off the professor. Right. It's this other Quinn that kissed uh, Wade, mm-hmm. blah, 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 et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just like as Quinn too mentions that he's gone to like eight Earths or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's met other versions of himself. So <laughs> he's basically sleazebag Jerry O'Connell from the current day. Yeah, but he <laughs> but it's one thing that's great about Quinn too is he's obviously like a bit of a narcissist and he loves himself so much that he'll gladly help this other Quinn out because when Quinn too says like I'm a slider. Um, Quinn Prime Quinn says, "Oh, that's a cool name." He's like, "Well, I'm sure you would have thought of it yourself eventually." Right? Yeah, that's a funny line, but I just think it's weird. I guess, yeah, that is the idea: is that he's such a narcissist that he's like, "Huh? Well, I'm just gonna go here and I'm gonna, you know, make out with this Quinn's girlfriend, possible girlfriend, and while I'm here, I'm just gonna go ahead and like tell off all the authority figures in this Quinn's life." I mean, how? Uh, how heroic of him to take up that right. mantle, basically. <laughs> right. And he even and we know that Quinn too has a wife because he says it like, "Oh, uh, my wife's expecting me for dinner when he goes to leave." Which I <laughs> it's future <laughs> sleazy, uh, Jerry O'Connell. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Jerry picture. does a great job of playing Quinn too because he's like just different enough, mm-hmm. but still like he's an asshole, but he's still kind of likable too. You know. Yeah, you can see. In that performance, his uh, current day choices of roles, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird. But anyways. All right. So um, he starts telling regular Quinn something. Uh, Quinn 2 starts telling Earth Prime Quinn something about another rule, uh, but then he gets sucked into the portal. And basically, that Before rule. Before he can finish it, yeah. And that rule basically is, um, because I I read it later, is the one about sliding before the time uh, gets... uh, you know, up on the timer. It basically screws yeah. everything up. Yeah, so, they never mention it, but I mean, it's it's pretty obvious uh, that the the thing is like, if you slide before the timer's down, you won't slide back to your original point. Exactly. So uh, now we're with a uh, Wade and Professor um, Arturo. They are hanging outside of Quinn's house. They uh, knock on the door. His mom lets him in. 
And his mom was like, oh, Professor Arturo, um, you know, Quinn, you know, respects you so much, speaks so highly of you. And he's like, well, really? We had quite the altercation earlier. And uh, <laughs> so cut to we see uh, an old man watching a Motown group on the TV. And this is uh, <laughs> Rembrandt crying man Brown's like Motown group from I guess it's supposed to be the 70s. Um, and uh, I think the 60s, maybe, because I mean, it's more of a yeah, but he doesn't look nearly that old. Um, but hey, you know, well, you know. Uh, if you think about it though, this is 90s, mm -hmm. and if they, they were like a if, if they were like a pop group or whatever in the 60s, and let's say he was like 25 or something, he'd only be like 55 here, yeah. But I mean, I guess it's just the fact but he doesn't that... look that old, even, yeah, right. you're right, yeah, yeah. The only yeah, difference, yeah, you're probably right, maybe it's more 70s, yeah, the only but difference... the music style. Yeah, oh, for sure. But the only difference between current day Rembrandt and the one from the music video is that he's just got a big fake fro. Like, yeah, <laughs> like which, you look... know, also implies it's the 70s. So I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yes. I mean, I think they didn't put a lot of you know thought into it. They just thought, oh, this will be funny. And they're right. It is hilarious. Yeah. Um, do you, could you describe the video, which they play in full at the end of at the end of the credits? Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. Um, yeah, if you guys watch the show, stick around for the credits uh, on episode one. It's great. But um, yeah, it's it's like a, the background. He's like the main singer. Mm -hmm. uh, he He's being Rembrandt. On the floor, like, you know, crying to the camera, pointing at his tears and stuff. It's hilarious. And then one of the lyrics is like, the lyrics are so literal. He's like, and then he started crying from his right eye. He like starts crying and then he points at it. And then, and then like the next lyric or something, it's like, and then his other eye started crying. And mm -hmm. then he turns in the other one and starts crying. So this man, the crying man, what they're implying here is that he, not only can he cry on command, he can also choose which <laughs> eye cries, <laughs> which is just so Funny. Yeah, um, it's a nice little uh, satire of like Motown from back in the day. It's yeah, it's awesome. And Cleveland is doing, you know, he really sings on the show. He's a real singer. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's got to a great show that voice. Off at the end, yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of episodes where he does sing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, be, oh, be... Uh, I'm sorry, Steve. And in Go the ahead. chat, Ken Williams wrote the actual lyric. Oh, and the tear falling from my other eye. <laughs> <laughs> Ken said I have waited years to bust that out. Well, glad to help you bust that stagnant, incredible <laughs> release of stagnant energy. That's what we're here for. We're here to help uh, Denzians of the internet release stagnant energy. That's what Obscurity Now is all about. Uh, so yeah, basically this is a, a discussion between uh, Rembrandt Brown and his um, his manager. He's basically saying how he left his old group and uh i mean really nobody cared but now he's uh he's gonna get back in the saddle because he's supposed to sing the national anthem at some baseball game or some sort of sporting mm -hmm. event yeah. but even his game. even his manager is like hey you're just singing the national anthem it's not that big of a deal but you know rembrandt he's uh i guess really talked himself up into believing that this is going to be his uh it's like his it, big comeback yes exactly so now we cut and to... And did you notice something about what Rembrandt's wearing uh, oh, on his right. coat? I, I forgot to mention, at the end, he shows the manager his new look, and it's like this ridiculous... Uh, how would you describe it? It looks like a concierge uniform or something. Yeah, yeah. He's got like this, you know, ridiculous kind of suit. But what's funniest to me is that 
Um, he's got like the not just like the red uh, AIDS um, ribbon that a lot of people were wearing in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Who wants um, to wear the ribbon? Also, Sorry. He he has like five or six ribbons on and each one's a different color mm-hmm. for like a different cause. Mm-hmm. And I was reading about this and Tracy Torme basically was like he's supposed to be like out of touch. Uh, Rembrandt is. Mm-hmm. And he just sees people wearing like ribbons, like famous celebrities wearing ribbons, these red ribbons uh, and sometimes other colors. And he doesn't even know what they're for. Right. But he just wants to like, you know, be back in and, and seem hip or whatever. So he just puts on like a ribbon for like everything. And he doesn't even know like what they're for or if they're for even any causes, which just makes it extra funny. Right. It's uh, virtue signaling before it was called virtue signaling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so cut two. we're back in Quinn's basement. Uh, Wade and the professor enter the basement and the professor realizes the equation is solved and he's all impressed. Um, uh, Quinn shows them the controller and then we cut back to Rembrandt getting into his car. This like cool convertible. I, I don't know. It's like a Cadillac. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Something like a, a cool car. Um, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, talking to himself talking himself up um it's it's pretty funny um then the professor says that uh sliding is nonsense then quinn of course opens the portal and proves him wrong uh wade and the professor argue on whether or not to go into the portal but in the end for the cause of science he decides to go so uh quinn he increases the power. He, he says, oh, since there's more people going through, I need to increase the power on the timer. Uh, and so he does that. They get sucked in. And I don't remember this being a thing in the show, but I guess they had to do it for the pilot in order to make this work. The portal moves. It basically goes outside of, uh, of the basement into the road of all places. And Rembrandt, drives his car right through the portal. Uh, what did you think of all that? Yeah, I mean, I actually forgot about that too, but I don't think they ever do it again. Because mm-hmm. um, they right. think, because they, and it kind of makes sense, right? Because they're saying, oh, are all of us going to fit in here? Because they mm-hmm. don't know. And then later on when they have to go use the portal again, it's like uh, an emergency type situation. They don't have time to like sit here and fiddle around with, settings or whatever or maybe they mirror or maybe it's just always bigger i don't know but um i mean this is one of the special effects that looks a little wonky when the portal's like moving oh yeah uh, oh yeah um and then there's a few like wonky special effects in this uh i will say though that like in general the special effects after the pilot again from what i remember are better mm-hmm. again you get more money you know a lot of this right. stuff is uh for anyone who's familiar with pilots you know changes once the series gets picked up it, it, it was okay. The The effects were okay. Uh, and like you said, they kind of needed a way to drive Rembrandt. Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought it was fine. Alrighty. Uh, so basically Rembrandt drives to the portal. Then he immediately drives his car into a bed of snow. Professor. Yeah, Quint, when it comes out the portal, he mm-hmm. comes out like, boom, into a wall of like, I don't know, the side of, something filled with snow. Some kind snow of bed side of a mountain. I don't or, know. We're yeah, from, we're from Florida. What do you want? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Professor Quinn and Wade uh, end up in a cold, snowy basement. Uh, Wade's, and this, I think I remember this. This is from the, um, like when they kept running the promo for sliders over and over again. Wade is like, wow, sliding is so cool. It's better than sex. 
And Arturo's like, well, I, I don't know about uh, that, my dear girl. Arturo fucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How could he not? <laughs> I mean, that guy's just filled with stagnant energy, just <laughs> waiting to give off. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was a funny line that they decided they just wanted, you know, some woman talking about sex to bandy about in between episodes of The Simpsons on, yeah. um, on Fox back in the day. Um, so they go to the, the way that she says, this is so cool is really like, it's nineties, cheesy nineties cheese dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that like the phrase cool, like anytime you have an adult say it in any setting, it just, it, no one can deliver that and have it come off right. well. Like, um, it sounds like I, something I, Bart Simpson would say. Yeah. Like I'll give you an example. Um, a, a modern example. It's Star Trek. At the end of the first episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is, you know, like an ongoing current show, uh-huh. at the very end, Captain Pike gives this big speech about how they're going to go explore, blah, 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 blah. And it's this big inspirational speech. The speech is great. But then Uhura, the camera zooms in on, on her and she goes, cool. Oh, God, that's terrible. Like, See, that's and why... they use that in all the promos for the show. Oh, God. Poor Uhura. Uh, yeah. <laughs> poor and, Star and, Trek and, fans. Know, the, and the actress that plays her is she's a great actress. And thankfully, nothing else like that happens on the series as of yet. But, yeah, pretty bad. Mm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Anyway, um, so they walk up to the kitchen. Snow is everywhere. He finds a picture of his family, but it's all different. There's like different. There's like a different sister, uh, some other stuff going on. Um, they go outside and find Rembrandt. He's all... Uh, you know, freaking out as as one would be if you just drove into San Francisco and there was, uh, you know, snow everywhere. The professor, yeah, because it's a, it's a nuclear winter. Um, yeah, just it, to, they, to be clear. Yeah, they pull back at one point. Uh, I think it's a little bit later, and show that all of San Francisco is just covered covered in snow. Um, the professor hypothesizes there, yeah, there was a cataclysmic event of some kind and that's why there's snow everywhere. Rembrandt tells Quinn he wants to go back now, but Quinn doesn't want to alter the timing, which I mean, he's right not to want to do so. But then (laughs) a very poorly rendered like tornado, snow tornado shows up uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, rips the top off of Rembrandt's car everyone's like freaking out so quinn basically has no choice he engages the slider remote which i mean they really need to come up with a cool name for that but i mean the show is over so it's too late uh, yeah yeah he opens i think up, they end up just calling it the timer yeah the timer uh they he opens a portal and everyone makes it in except for uh like uh they, they basically all slide out of the other side except for quinn and basically there's a, a moment where like Wade is freaking out. Like she's uh, starts crying out of both eyes. <laughs> she doesn't have the Rembrandt crying man. She's not brown. the crying man. Right, right. And then Quinn just sort of, uh, you know, he poops out the other end of the wormhole. And um, Quinn notices Wade uh, is in tears. And he's like, hey, Quinn, Wade. Hey, Wade, what's wrong? Did you hit your head? And of course, uh, she's all pissed about that. So continuing their sort of, uh, you know, strained relationship, if you will. Rembrandt is angry that he lost his car. Rembrandt hails a cab. Um, and they assume they are back on Earth Prime. Uh, they begin walking in the park. And then they come across, I forgot to mention it, earlier when the, um, 
the raving homeless man was telling Quinn to join the um, the revolution or the resistance or whatever. He was basically preaching next to a uh, a statue of Lincoln, an obviously prop statue of Lincoln. Um, yeah. But uh, now, as they are walking past the statue, it is no longer Lincoln, but Lenin. And dun, dun, dun. Uh, yep. wait, are you? Isn't this in part two? Uh, I don't. I I'm not exactly sure. I thought the crossover was when. They, um, I mean, you can take over now. I, I wasn't exactly sure where the crossover was. Oh, because yours was like one, uh, yeah, one, uh, complete because you didn't get because you because you broke the law. <laughs> to, uh, hey, if telling people about sliders is breaking the law, then lock me up, comrade. Hey, uh, well, excuse me, I just want, yeah, because I, I believe that the finale, uh, yeah, actually, I remember exactly. So, part one ends when. Um, they're trying to leave the tundra world, mm-hmm. and Quinn, and it basically ends on the Arturo, Wade, and Rembrandt landing in the uh, Earth. I, th- I thought that was where it was, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. And then Quinn sure. hasn't come through, and then like they go to credits. All right, so I'm gonna tag out here and let Yehel take you the rest of the ride. Oh yeah. All right. So Quinn, shocker, he comes through the vortex. I. I thought they were going to kill him off, but uh, at the last second, he jumps through the vortex, and uh, the sliders find themselves in what appears to be their world uh, at Golden Gate Park again. Uh, Rembrandt is, like, distraught at the Mm. loss of his Cadillac, but, you know, he's relieved to be home. Rembrandt uh, says he's going to hire a taxi cab to take him to the stadium uh, where, like you mentioned, he's scheduled to sing the national anthem at the baseball game. Wade walks off. She says she's going to leave to look for a phone booth to call home. Remember phone booths, kids? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for... Yeah. What's a phone yeah. booth? <laughs> she's a cell phone. Uh, God. So Quinn and Arturo are walking in the park, wondering why the timer brought them to the park instead of the basement mm-hmm. uh, like it was supposed to. Um, so here we're getting like our first hint of like, Ooh, you slid you you slid too early and mm, the timer's you know, damaged. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so then they notice. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. The timer's like not working now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the as Quinn and Arturo are walking, that's when they notice uh, that instead of a statue of Lincoln uh, in the park, there's now a statue of Nikolai Lenin. <laughs> dun dun dun. Which. <laughs> You know, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, the, the statues are obviously like props or whatever, but mm-hmm. it, I, I really like this reveal. Sure. Uh, no, I mean, it's the, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. And there's some dramatic music and then they cut to the to the theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyways, Wade's attempts to, um, we're at, she's at the phone booth. She's trying to call home and use the operator and the operator tells her that it's the PTNT, the People's Telephone and Telegraph <laughs> Company. This so is, it's like the AT&T of this world. This is one, uh, you know, one of many little subtle differences that really help like sell uh, sell the world. Yeah, yeah. So the operator is like asking her some information like first like, oh, what do you want to call? And she needs like her, I don't know, call citizen calling authorization number. Right. S- something like a normal citizen of this earth, uh, this uh, version of America would have mm-hmm. and she's like and Wade's like what are you talking about uh, the operator can tell something's up so the operator tells her to stay there and that the PTNT telephone security is on its way yeah 
<laughs> to apprehend her. And Wade's like, uh, never mind, hangs up, and she walks back. I feel like that gag has, I mean, not saying it wasn't good. I mean, because it's a, I feel like that gag has been done before. I think so, like, too. Either in, like, Judge Dredd or one of those other sort of future demolition man, something along those lines. But it's yeah, a great gag, so nonetheless. Too. Yeah, it's a, it's a gag. It works. Um, so now we're in the cab that Rembrandt got. So Rembrandt uh, asked the driver to turn on the baseball game. And the cab driver's like, uh, doesn't speak English. Right. He only speaks uh, Russian. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name's Pavel. Which is and... normal if you live in California, just letting everybody know. <laughs> well, uh, and Rembrandt makes some comment about like, oh, if you're going to be in this country, you know, you should learn the language <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> wow. What a right winger. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, he uh, gets him to turn on the game. And on the radio, they're playing the Soviet anthem, right? Uh, which Rembrandt like doesn't recognize. He goes, "Oh, must be playing a Canadian theme, a Canadian <laughs> Canadian team," which is pretty funny. Live, oh, you don't know the uh, Canadian national anthem, there, Rembrandt. Dude, Come on, Rembrandt has a lot of like really funny lines. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And honestly, some of his lines are so cheesy mm-hmm. and stupid that they could really fall flat. But the actor Cleveland does such a good job he makes with it the work. Character. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, he's great. But uh, yeah, and then and then like as soon as the anthem is on, like the cab driver is like saluting, you know, the flag, and mm-hmm. you know there's a car driving by, mm-hmm. uh, and they're saluting too. So I guess the anthem's like playing like on everyone's radio or something. Mm-hmm. And Rembrandt's like, "What the hell is going on here?" Uh, then we cut back to the park, and there's a U.S. senator, which we know he's a senator because there's a big sign behind him that says "U.S. Senator." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, he's got a couple uh, like Soviet military people there next to him, and he's mm-hmm. making this big like fascist type speech, right? Uh, about how the American underground revolution has almost been defeated. Yep. And blah blah blah. And then mm-hmm. we see that Quinn, Wade, and Arturo are watching the speech, mm-hmm. and that's when they realize for sure that they are not on their Earth. <laughs> and then, then, oh, I really rolled my eyes at this. I mean, I guess you can get away with it in the '90s if you're trying again trying to appeal to executives who graduated from some university in Florida when Jerry O'Connell says, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Oh, yeah. man, I wanted to blow my brains out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other well, than you that, it's funny. I, I also think you can get. Oh, I also think another reason why you can get away with that in the 90s is like they're not quite as they weren't as removed from that film as we are now. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, it's just that. That's a cliche that's been used I agree. so many times. I agree. Even then, even then it was yeah. cliched and overused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it was probably something to appeal to sure. uh, these idiots. The ones who uh, dangle the nuts from their truck. <laughs> what was that line? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. They, they, the truck nut danglers the truck or whatever. truck nut danglers, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Rembrandt, like we're back in the cab and the cab driver is asking him for like money to pay for a toll. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rembrandt's like, sure, sure. He pulls out like a, a dollar to give to him. And then the cat, the cab driver looks at it and he's like shocked. Right. He looks at the bill and it's, uh, so then they stop at the booth, but then like the guard, the, the cab driver runs out of the, the taxi. He runs up to the booth. He's like showing them the dollar mm-hmm. and it's like Soviet military that's at the booth. And he's like, this guy gave me this. Right. Um, and uh, so they surround the taxi cab that Rembrandt is still in with like guns, like machine guns or something. And they're mm-hmm. all like pointing it at him. And there's like a dozen guys like 
pointing guns at him, and Rembrandt just goes, "Oh, did you?" He's like scared, but he's like, "Oh, did you guys need exact change?" Yeah. <laughs> did you? All right, I just had a thought. Do you think that um, the uh, the writers here for Rembrandt, you think they could have possibly been inspired by um, by the cat from Red Dwarf? Maybe. I mean, just just very loosely. It doesn't have anything to do with race. Just that they're both no, no, sort no, of just... entertainers. They're very comedic, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I mean, that I just saw a little bit of the cat in there. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that. Uh, at first, when you said the cat, before you added, you know, the red dwarf. I talked about WCW. The oh, cat. gee, we. I knew we wouldn't make it through an episode without mentioning WCW. I knew it. Oh uh, man, yeah. we, we we should like do a, a review of his career or something. <laughs> sure, somehow. sure, why not? Anyways, um, so now we're back to Arturo, Quinn, and Wade, and they're walking mm-hmm. around the city. Um, and the city is like filled. I, I actually really like the look uh i don't know who the uh scenic you know set decorator was or whatever but they did a great job the city is like it's like it's nighttime it's filled with like russian guards everywhere and they're shaking people down you hear a lot of like background audio of like guards asking people things like where are you going let me see your papers you know that kind of very similar to current day san francisco just uh just So uh, you can also hear like gunfire in the mm. distance from time to time. People are being disappeared by the the guards and stuff. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just uh, what you would um, expect a Soviet-controlled San Francisco to look like. Yeah, yep. Um, and uh, they mentioned that they're waiting. This was a little weird. That that so they're talking about how the device isn't working, and because they want to get out of there, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, well, can we slide?" and uh quinn says like that they're waiting for the device to recharge itself yeah yeah like, okay <laughs> i left <laughs> the charger back in our regular earth <laughs> yeah i think this is like a season uh excuse me like something that they just hadn't really like figured out you know yet. figured out exactly how it was gonna work you sure. know uh in the pilot but the point is that you know it's the classic we gotta put like a ticking time bomb right uh thing in the episode and uh they just don't know when they're gonna slide again right it's almost uh, like uh when dr sam beckett he doesn't know when he's gonna leap again you know yeah yep exactly but and, and i do like this because it means that they need to like find rembrandt soon because you know they don't know if they're gonna slide in five minutes or five days exactly so um, we cut to Rembrandt. Uh, he's being interrogated in this, uh, <laughs> like, a warehouse uh, oh, where that's a bunch the, of people are being interrogated. We, yeah, that's the weirdest, uh, the open floor plan for their interrogation room. And you can see, like, the extras in the back. There's all, there's one person in a chair and one guard sort of circling them. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, and there's, I'll like, just... a dozen of these sets of, like, interrogator and... Uh, guard and whatever i mean what if somebody you know breathes some sensitive information but then they let one of the other people who were being interrogated go and then they went back and like told you know the revolution the sensitive information they heard i mean come on fake communist usa (laughs) get it together is what i'm saying yeah i thought it was a little weird it is a cool looking shot it's a cool visual absolutely Um, it's a great visual and i guess so at first I thought exactly what you were thinking. Like, it doesn't make sense because other people are overhearing each other's conversations. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, does it really matter? Because they're going to kill all these people. That yeah, or lock, or lock them up. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's implied that, like, they're all going to get, everyone mm-hmm. gets that gets picked up is going to get put away. So ultimately, I guess it doesn't really matter, right? Right. <laughs> um, 
so uh, where was I here? Rembrandt's being interrogated. He's accused of being an American, you know, revolutionary member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy that's interviewing, interrogating him, you know, he says, your name can't be Rembrandt. That's got to be an alien. And Rembrandt was killed 12 years ago in the mm-hmm. Detroit uprising, which is really cool, really cool bit of world building just with one line that tells you this has been going on for at least over a decade. Sure. You know, they've been trying to fight this control. Um, they don't believe him. They don't believe Rembrandt when he says he's from another earth. Mm. Then Rembrandt notices that the interrogator is the lawyer that we saw on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw like a commercial for a lawyer in part one mm-hmm. of this, like, you know, really like uh, ambulance chasing type lawyer. And he says, yeah, you're I can't remember his. It's something Ross. Like you're William J. Ross. Or something right. Like that. And uh, just to throw in a little bit of trivia there real quick. Uh, based on an actual lawyer out here in LA who, you know, ran his uh, cheesy commercials. Cause at the end he would always say the, the actual law- lawyer, his name is like Larry H something or other. And he always goes, and I will fight for you. And like, that's like the line that sets Rembrandt off because mm. he goes, now look here, like Rembrandt, like if you give me information on the revolution, I'll fight for you. And then that's like what sets Rembrandt off. He's like, Hey, you're the lawyer guy. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Uh, great, great, uh, pickup. Um, so, uh, (laughs) anyways, this is really funny because the lawyer's like really taken aback or the interrogator, I should say Mm -hmm. about this. He's like, uh, and then he, and then he goes and, uh, he being the lawyer goes and talks to, um, like a Soviet guard general that's there supervising everything. And, he, the Russian guy's like, well, how does he know this about you? Right. And he's like, well, I mean, I've never done a TV commercial, so that's not true. Yeah, but he knew your name. He's like, he must be a dangerous and highly trained operative. <laughs> right. You know, he's infiltrated us. You know, we've, we've got to deal with this guy. Mm-hmm. And the lawyer, the attorney's like, don't worry. I've got uh, connections. I know I know what to do with, you know, to make him disappear, basically. Mm-hmm. So the attorney comes back to uh, slash integrator, comes back to Rembrandt, and he says that he's going to send him to the people's court for trial. Oh, man. And yeah, when they said the people's court, I was like, oh, I get it. You know, the Russian people's court or the right, that's what I thought it was court. Too. Yeah. But then he goes to the actual people's court. And if you're a, the TV show, right, if you're a young person listening to us, I mean, you probably know that I guess judge shows are still a thing. I don't know who the the judges are these days, but back, like the I I say maybe the first well, one. Well, they brought back the People's Court like like ten years ago oh, for a little bit. I think did they? Yeah. Well, back in the nineties, the big one was the People's Court with uh, Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner. If you were unemployed back then, you were sitting at home watching the People's Court. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's basically just like how it is now. People with small claims would get in there and, you know, you can laugh at them or whatever. And then at the end, they get interviewed by Doug Llewellyn, the interviewer for the People's Court. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happens here. I almost... Uh, yeah, well, we'll get to that scene, but yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. We'll uh, we'll get through that. Yeah. Um. So, by the way, they brought back the People's Court uh, in 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 2007, but there's it's currently ongoing. I guess they had two different people's court at one point, but the one that they brought back in 97 is still going strong. Nice, I, I guess. Nice, good. <laughs> good for those unemployed so people. People might be aware of it is what I'm saying. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. Uh, so anyways, uh, then we cut to back to the street, and we see like an older woman is being taken by the soldiers into a car. She's yelling that she didn't do anything, and they mm-hmm. whisk her away. Um 
then, and I was shocked by this. I did not remember this at all. The camera pans around and soldiers execute like two or three people on the street with a machine gun. Man. And, you know, there's a, they don't show blood or anything, but they do show them getting shot and then falling to the ground. I was really surprised. Yeah, yeah. For... I don't remember this show sort of reaching that level of, I don't know, I don't know what you, what you want to call it here, realism or, I don't want to use the word darkness. But, yeah, I was kind of surprised. Well, violence. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, so, like I said, they, those uh, people get executed and then <laughs> Arturo says that he's hungry. Mm. <laughs> they, they, they're like we gotta get out of here and he's like well i'm hungry and he just watched like three people die 10 feet <laughs> <laughs> well you know he's uh he's been traveling around with indiana jones like nothing phases him he just wants a hot dog that's a, good, that's a good point and then they're like how can you eat at a time like this and he says my stomach has no political preferences <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line fantastic he's got a bunch of like funny quips oh, too. Sure. um mm-hmm. so they go to buy a hot dog from a street vendor and the vendor's like oh, that'll be one dollar Arturo gives him obviously an American US dollar mm-hmm. and the street vendors like looks at the dollar like oh fuck and he's like uh and then the street vendor gives um uh he tells Arturo to be careful comrade and gives him back a red it looks just like a dollar bill but it's red instead of green man I would and love to have that red dollar bill <laughs> it so looked cool. pretty cool yeah. and the, and then and then on the face of the dollar bill instead of you know being George Washington it's Nikita Khrushchev's face if only it would have been Nikita Koloff then only that would have been hilarious there you go (laughs) so then wade sees that there's people after her and she figures that they're the phone company operatives Mm -hmm. uh chasing her um and then uh the hot dog vendor offers to help them and takes arturo quinn and wade to the underground american resistance um pretty cool set here actually Mm -hmm. too uh it's like in this big tunnel yep uh so we and a guy, as they're walking through, uh, they get to like the like this hallway, and they're passing all of these like resistance fighters. Really cool set dressing here. And then at the very end uh, of this like hallway or installation or whatever, they meet this guy who later we'll find out his name is Wilkins. Uh, and he gives uh, grabs Wade. He's like shocked to see her, grabs her, and gives her a big passionate kiss. And we find out that um, Wade is the commander of uh this sect of the resistance and that she's been captured yes yeah she's like the i don't know right hand of the of the leader of this resistance um she is the leader because wilkins says that later when wilkins talks about Wade, he says that she's my lover and my commander right right and i i will say i like uh wilkins's uh shirt it's a um Statue of Liberty holding like an AK-47 or something. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about uh, Wilkins's acting? Um, it's okay. Uh, he becomes much better later on in his career. I know from seeing him in Dark Matter a few years ago. Um, I didn't think he was very good here. Uh, no, he's not great. Uh, he's all right. He's serviceable. Um, but, bare minimum yeah. is what it felt like to me, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I, I think because there's a lot of really good performances, his like stands out even more. Is not on the same level. Sure, sure. I could see that. Um, but yeah, not, not a great performance. Uh, Wade, uh, or they separate Quinn and Professor Arturo, and they have them like tied up with like their hands above their head, and they have mm. a little conversation. And you know, uh, Arturo like is like basically consoling uh, Quinn. Uh, and tells him, don't worry, you know, we'll get back to uh, Earth and we'll see your mom. Because Quinn is, like, worried that, like, great, now my mom lost dad and she's going to lose me. Right. 
Uh, so n- n- nice little scene there for the characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we see that Wade was able to convince the they let, excuse me, Quinn and Arturo go and bring them back to the the kissing room from earlier. <laughs> right. Uh, Wade was able to convince the rebels that uh, they're from a parallel Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at this point, we learn from the rebels that uh, the that they're the West Coast branch of the Free America Underground. I should just call them the um, West Coast Avengers. <laughs> so we learn from them that the Soviet Union, through its proxy states, won the Korean War and gradually enveloped the whole world under communism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arturo calls it like the domino theory, which is like a real yep. thing. Yep. Uh, so Arturo explains, you know, like uh, how in their world it's, it was the opposite. It's the Soviet Union that fell and mentions that the Berlin Wall came down. And I like as well. And I like how the um, the revolutionaries, like Wilkins and his other sort of uh, friend, they're just like, oh, man, that sounds like a paradise. I wish we could be there right now. And uh, <laughs> that makes you at the time, I'm sure it made you feel pretty good about being alive in the 90s in America. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is funny how like, yeah, it's funny <laughs> looking at it now in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also find out that Arturo in this world, the Soviet world, he's called like citizen general. He's like some kind of general. Right. And uh, for the Soviets. And he's running the NorCal penitentiary, which is for high-profile political prisoners, and then uh, our Arturo, Arturo Prime, quips, always a leader of men, yeah. no matter what the circumstances. <laughs> that was very uh, very Garth Marenghi. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Quinn asks Wade, asks Wade what Wilkins meant by that. He could tell that it wasn't his Wade, because, uh, like, implying that Quinn's getting jealous. Right, right, uh, right. You know, because he's, like, worried that they kissed more or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you uh, see, Wade there's says, a birthmark. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wade says, what do you care? We're buds, which right. is a nice little callback to sure. part one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, she gets a nice little jab mm-hmm. on him. So I like that. Then Wade walks up to like some other guy that's like working at the underground rebel thing. And he's like, I guess the guy's just like monitoring TV for like Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm. And that's when they show like the rap video about the comrades serving the state and right. feeding the people. That was awesome. Yeah. Then they, the guy changes the channel and it's like a PBS pledge drive. Oh, and... I loved that. He's like, me too. You need to donate now or else we'll be I, coming for you or we're watching. I, I actually wrote it down. So, so the guy says, you know, this is it's pledge week on PBS comrades. Pledge your support or else we know who you are. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. I mean, the sad thing is, is that, again, if you're like a super young person and you watch this, uh, you're probably not going to get some of these jokes. But it's uh, still good. Still good. Yeah, I think. Well, I think PBS still does pledge drives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> um. Yeah, money. They still need money, from what I understand. Right, right. Of course, <laughs> just like God, they always need yep, money. Yep, got to have that fourth jet. Yep. All right. So then they flip the channel again, and they start playing the People's Court theme song, mm. and it's an episode of the People's Court, but it's with Rembrandt's mm-hmm. case. And like, man, what a great way to show it. And we see Rembrandt's case play out on the TV as like Wade's watching, and she's like, "What the hell?" Yeah. So she's like, "Come here, guys." Uh, so they show the trial of Rembrandt mm-hmm. and it's 
hilarious. Oh, yeah. Rembrandt, so, he's all, small claims caught my ass. Like, what's going on here? He's so confused. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we learned during the trial that uh, the American bills, dollar bills, uh, are a symbol mm-hmm. of the resistance. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> it's like Judge Wapner saying it. He's like, did you hand this to the cabbie? And he's like, don't you know there's a symbol of the American resistance? And so Rembrandt tries to, you know, give him the story that he's from a different earth. Judge Wapner is not having it. He doesn't believe it. Uh, Rembrandt gets sentenced by uh, the People's Court to 15 years in the Alaskan gulag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Rembrandt's like, 15 years? Is that what you said? And he's like, yeah, 15 years. And then uh, he's like, don't you mean $15? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, good. Yeah. So anyways, then they do like the in people's court, the, the actual TV show. There's always like an interview after mm-hmm. the, the trial where like, uh, what's the guy's name that is interview? Doug Llewellyn. Doug Llewellyn would interview the winners and the losers. So in this case, he's interviewing uh, Rembrandt and uh, <laughs> Rembrandt says, uh, you know, he's like, how do you feel about the, the decision or something like that? And Rembrandt goes, I'm never watching this show again. Yeah. Small claims my ass. <laughs> oh, then man. Doug Llewellyn tells Rembrandt, well, Rusty has a few confessions for you to sign and they take him over. <laughs> That's so brutal. See, that is just good, clean satire that yeah. <clears throat> we just don't get in uh, TV anymore. Uh, I mean, if it's rare, if it's they rare do sure. attempt satire, it's like beat you over the head with it, basically. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is really this is really well done. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can see that this is a man that worked on Star Trek. <sighs> Jesus, uh, <laughs> sure, I'll go with it. Why not? All right, so then we're back at the Resistance Underground, and uh, with the Underground's help, I'm gonna kind of, uh, I I kind of condense a lot of what happens sure. here. So if there's any additional details, you know, by all means, mm-hmm. drop them in. But with the Underground's help, the Sliders basically stage a raid on the NorCal Federal Penitentiary, which was. Uh, converted from the University of California, actually, mm-hmm. they also mention. Um, so the plan is to go in there and liberate Rembrandt and Wade's double. Uh, so we'll just call her like Soviet Wade, Soviet Earth Wade, because she's was captured and she's going to be being held there as well. And they're going to try and free some other people, too. Right. But the, the crux of this plan is uh, Arturo pretending right. to be his double um so right exactly yeah they basically they he drives up so, well i i mean steve i didn't condense it that much oh I okay excuse me <laughs> so now we see that arturo is dressed up um in like uh soviet gear garb mm-hmm. military garb so he's posing as his own double the the citizen general of west coast operations and uh they get to like the guard tower uh it's not a tower it's like the guard what do you call it like a like a little guardhouse. Sure. Um, at the gate for the penitentiary. And he talks the, the guard into letting them pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's able to convince them, it seems, uh, that he's the real Arturo. Um, and he even passes, like, this handprint check where he has to put his hand on, like, this device. That handprint and, check was so over the top. Like, after it scanned it, it even had, like, a, a, a lady's voice programmed in it. Like, it might as well have been yeah. sentient. <laughs> Yeah, it's like confirmed uh, citizen general, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, like Arturo obviously doesn't know how things work here in the world. So there's some like kind of funny conversations. Oh, here the, the whole exchange to... is really funny. 
yeah, he's like trying to tell the guard that he needs to let them through. And he's like, since when do you, um, you know, make me go through these procedures? And they're like, you created these procedures and you said, you know, to let, you know, everyone, no matter who it is, has to go through right. this. And so which is cool because like once he does the handprint thing, they let him through and we think he's convinced them. But throughout the conversation leading up to that, there were a bunch of things to make the guard suspicious. Right. Um, and as they drive away, um, we find out that, well, the guards really were suspicious and the guard starts calling someone and, and ask for, you know, hey, where's uh, Citizen General Arturo? Yeah, they basically call him at home and realize that he was at home in bed the whole time. Yeah. Now, we don't realize is it in this scene. Right. Yeah, and, it's later. Uh, it's, not, it's not Arturo that, like, uh, picks up. But during the breakout, we cut back to, the, to that guard on the mm-hmm. phone. And that's when he finds out that Citizen General Arturo is at home. Um, so yeah, the sliders like, um, go in and they, they get Wade out, uh, they get Rembrandt out. Wade is like in another tower, mm-hmm. uh, and some, and prime Wade is over there, like getting her or something sure. with some other people. Um, and, uh, basically this is when like the alarms go off because they find out that Arturo is sitting at home and there's a big action sequence. Uh, lots of shooting. They're yeah. being chased. Uh, I... I'm sure a lot of money went into this cause Absolutely. I, yeah, I enjoyed the uh the action. Uh it basically I thought you would. It all um and I, I know you don't you definitely don't get this at the end of every episode of Sliders. This again, this was the cell to the executives uh from Florida, uh one hundred percent. And I love how the whole sort of action scenes end ends with Rembrandt firing a bazooka at like a a building it's not rembrandt it's not or... it's wilkins it's wilkins oh, oh my mistake anyway he murders a lot of people is what i'm trying to say yeah here. yeah a lot yeah i mean there's a and there's another explosion too during the big shootout too like a tower gets shot out mm-hmm. uh, and explodes and yeah man there's like a lot of extras and a lot of stunt work mm-hmm. here i mean i would say in reality, it's probably more like 20 people total in the scenes. Right. But because the way that they cut it up, it seems like there's like 100 people involved. Yeah. In this. Well, it's great. So when you have John Landis on board, he can get that money, I guess. Yeah. Um, so anyways, like you said, it ends with the shooting of the guard post <laughs> with a rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if this was done today, there'd be like, well, if this was done today, when people get shot, you'd see blood. Mm-hmm. Number one, there's like no. This is like a very bloodless gunfight. Sure. Uh, but you also wouldn't probably get these real explosions, like oh. these CG explosions. Oh yeah, yeah. And... I really appreciated the the practical effects. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's really 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 nicely done here. Um, and during this whole big melee, though, uh, we see that Wade, who's in the car, like on Quinn's lap or something. Well, I she's guess. just sitting in the passenger seat, sort of bent over on the dash. And uh, they're like, hey, Wade, we did it. How you doing? And she had had been shot, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Quinn's freaking out. He's like, stop the, stop, stop the truck, you know, mm-hmm. pull over, pull over. They start, you know, doing CPR on mm-hmm. her. But it's clearly that it's clear that she's going to die or is already mm-hmm. dead. And then but it's a fake out because then behind him is walking. Uh, Prime Wade is walking up and right. calls out to him. The only and, one that uh, matters, the the real weight right. of this world just died, and we're supposed to be okay with that as the viewers, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't think we're supposed to be okay with it, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, but Quinn is. Right, apparently. yeah, he's I was like, oh, 
thank God the real uh, Wade is okay. I, I don't care about this revolutionary lady. Well, you know, to be fair, I don't think it's that he's, nah. you know, happy about it. But obviously, you know, he's relieved. Sure. Oh, that 100%. The, Quinn, the Wade that he knows is alive right. and they have a big hug. And they did this thing, which I didn't notice um, the first time I watched it. So I'm really glad I caught it a second time. It's real subtle. I imagine this was a choice that uh, I don't. I don't know if it was a choice that Jerry O'Connell made or if he was directed to do this. But they give a they do a big hug, and I, did you notice that Quinn goes to kind of kiss her, oh, and then no. like stops halfway through. He moves to like give her like a kiss on the cheek, and then he like pulls back. Oh, that's that's really good. That's yeah. Mm. I, I thought that was a great nice, choice. Subtle, I, I, yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, I wish I knew who made the decision, but whoever made the choice. Nicely done. Um, all right. So we are. Uh, and that's basically it. So anyways, right? wait. No. That, how dare you? Hmm. There's so much more. I have like a paragraph and a half left. <laughs> so at the underground base, uh, they're taking the, the they're, they're going to move to another base. So they're taking things down. But there's also a makeshift funeral being held for everyone that died. During oh, the right. Raid. How could I forget that? Yeah. And there's a bunch of bodies. Uh, maybe not a bunch, like five or six. Yeah. Uh, that have American flags draped over them. We get confirmation that Wade did die. Soviet Wade, mm -hmm. Soviet Earth Wade died. And during this whole scene, Rembrandt is singing Amazing Grace, mm -hmm. um, a cappella. So it's a, it's a really cool, somber scene. Um, and then we hear that uh, the jailbreak, uh, somebody tells our Prime Wade that the jailbreak inspired uh other resistance cells all over the the country and now like the revolution has new life right and that the revolution i think is still that's alive. a way of covering like because i thought it was going to be the other way <clears throat> where the revolutionaries were going to be like you know you weirdos show up and now our weight is dead um but instead they did a switcheroo where it's like oh you guys inspired the other revolutionaries and uh, yeah it's okay that she's dead it's all right well, it's the that the it's that the raid was successful yeah. that inspires them. So it's not, which you know, I in, in a way, yeah, it's because of the slightest because they had Arturo to get in there. Mm -hmm. But really, it's mostly you know the revolutionaries that did the work. But yeah, I think they were just probably not trying to have like a sad. Exactly, they were trying to have a a positive ending for the most part. Because there is a sad ending. Yes. To the actual ending that we were about to get to, but yeah, I think they they needed to have something positive sure at least in the first episode right 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 it can't all be battlestar galactica reboot <laughs> yeah you don't want to depress everybody right off the bat yep, basically exactly um so anyways meanwhile uh arturo and quinn they i guess the timer didn't need to recharge itself because arturo actually repaired it mm -hmm. uh and there's a little bit of meta humor here where like quinn's like oh i, I don't know how you were able to do all these calculations and Arturo is like, oh, well, you know, back in my day, we didn't have your fancy calculators. Uh, he's like, and he pulls out a slide ruler. He's like, have you ever heard of a slide ruler? Wink, wink, slide, get it. <laughs> and how about this abacus? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, anyways, they, they leave because they're, they're, they decide uh, or Arturo, I think, is the one that says that. They should probably uh, go back to the Golden Gate Park mm -hmm. and slide from there to have the best chance to return back home. Excuse me. Um, so they, they're leaving and they're walking in the streets. They being the sliders. Mm -hmm. Pronouns, pal. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. All right. So a guard tries to, stop the, tries to stop the sliders for violating curfew. 
And I really like this because like way up until this point, especially at the beginning um, of the pilot, she's like very meek and right. shy and this and that. And she says, I don't have time for this and goes right up to the guy and like kicks him in the balls, you know, so yeah, it's a nice it's, little, it's character, nice little character growth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now they have, they run cause now they're being pursued by a mob of like citizen informants mm-hmm. is what they're described as right. in like sliders media literature that I looked up. <laughs> um, anyways, the sliders get back to the park. They, you know, get the slide going. They barely escape through the vortex and they jump through it. And then when we see them like, uh, arrive at, uh, the other side of the, the, the slide tunnel, you can tell like everybody did their own stunts here. Mm. Uh, but for some reason, John Reese Davies, who plays Arturo and he's not a small man. No. Um, he does like a front flip into the bush. I remember that. Almost lands on his neck. I'm like, why would you do this? Um, but anyways, uh, he was not injured by the way. Uh, so by all appearances, it looks like they're home. Um, the cab driver, uh, cause they end up getting in a cab. He's from the same Soviet. It's the same guy from the Soviet earth, but this time he speaks English and he recognizes Rembrandt from the spinning tops group. Mm-hmm. Um, the statue of Lincoln is back. And also, uh, when they get to Quinn's house, the front gate that squeaks, uh, he, he says it's squeaked ever since he was 12. It squeaks just like it's supposed mm-hmm. to. And this gate thing is like a thing that comes up in later episodes of Sliders where like there's like a few other times where he thinks he might be home, but like the gate doesn't squeak, that kind of thing. That's so good. Yeah. So it's really nice that they establish it. And it's something that they come back to even in the finale of the series from what I remember. So, yeah. Anyways, so they go inside Quinn's house and the mom is there and uh, she invites them to stay, everybody to stay over for dinner. Uh, at the dinner table, the sliders are talking about what to do with the timer. And I really like this conversation. It's a very uh, Star Trek-esque mm. conversation, actually, about the morals and the implications. Right, of, should they get rid um, of it? Yeah. Right. And Arturo uh, suggests destroying it. Uh, and he cites you know, the regrets that Albert Einstein and Oppenheimer had because of their knowledge being used to create weapons of mass destruction. Uh, on the other side of the coin, Quinn brings up that there could be worlds that have cures for cancer or that achieve world peace, and they could learn from those worlds. Um, and uh, just to jump in there real quick, uh, this conversation actually spawned a couple of episodes. Uh, there, um, like, there's one where they go where Albert Einstein like didn't create the atomic bomb or something along those lines. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. The other one with the, uh, the cancer thing, I think that's a thing as well, but, uh, but yeah, a few, a uh, few episodes were gleamed from this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Nice callback, you know? Um, anyways, so they're having, you know, Quinn goes to do a toast, uh, and, uh, then their dinner is interrupted by the unexpected, uh, somebody arrives at the door and it's, Quinn's father, who, as we learned in the first part, was hit by a car and mm-hmm. died 12 years ago on Prime Earth. So now Quinn like looks at his dad and says, like, hi, dad. But he's like shocked mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, Quinn realizes he's not on his Earth and Quinn drops his wine glass. And I do the, the classic shot of the wine glass dropping to the floor. Slow mo breaks yeah. and it hits the ground mm-hmm. and hard cut to credits. Yes, I love that they did a hard cut to credits. Yeah. Like, that was a good ending. Let's see. Ken here, he writes, I remember one where they didn't create antibiotics and strep throat was running rampant. Hmm, I huh. definitely don't remember that one. Um, 
Huh, I don't remember that one either, but that's great. Uh, yeah, why don't we rate it, and uh, then I'll, I'll bring up a few of the other Sliders worlds. All right, let's do it. All right, uh, you Hell Prime, if you really are the Hell Prime, I don't even know these days. Um, do you think uh, Sliders should be remembered for all of human history? or tossed into the black wormhole of obscurity never to be heard from again? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, I say keep it. It's great. In fact, I'll probably, now that I know the about the order that you're, that it was supposed to be uh, watched in, I, 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 I think I'm going to rewatch it. Um, it's only five seasons. You know, it's, it's not very long. Um, but yeah, I say remember it. It's great. There's some like really fun uh, <laughs> and scary or alternate earths that they visit. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. What say you? Oh yeah. I love this show. Um, I, since I stopped watching like in the middle, yeah, I could probably do with a, a rewatch of the series myself. Plus all the episodes that I didn't watch. The question is though, should sliders be like remade brought back? Should Jerry O'Connell take up the mantle again? What do you think? Man, you know, I'm not, I'm not usually like a huge fan of remakes, mm -hmm. but I think that this show would benefit uh, or would be a good candidate for a remake because you can cut out like some of the stuff that doesn't work, like the Cro-Mag stuff and, you know, just some of the sillier kind of stuff that derailed. Um, you, you could get better actors, too, for some of the replacements that come on later. Mm -hmm. um, you could do it that way or you could even do like a I, and I'm generally surprised no one's done it is pick up do, do like a limited series with oh, jerry o'connell yeah i mean pick up like from you know and let's see what's happened in the last you know 30 years or whatever 20 years it's a good idea yeah i mean they did that with x files even though i hear that um didn't really go that great <laughs> but yeah, uh, but you know what did go great when they and they just did is season three of picard <laughs> Uh, ended up being picking up the TNG cast and seeing what what's what they're doing now, which is what everyone um, wanted from the get go, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't mind uh, seeing it. What about you? Uh, sure. I'm. I mean, as long well, obviously you can't bring back one of the writers because he passed on. But I guess everyone else is still alive and well. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, sure. Bring yeah, bring it back. Bring back the original cast. Yeah, give us something. Because like, it ends. I would love to. S doesn't it end Sorry, on a cliffhanger? I don't want to reveal how it ends on the podcast okay. in case anybody watches it. All right. Um, but uh, I would love to see like Sliders rebooted with maybe either rebooted or, you know, do a continuation of what Quinn's up to and Rembrandt and all those people are up to. But we have um, to replace Jerry O'Connell with Timothy Chalamet because the guy is just everywhere these days <laughs> so talented so talented no keep o'connell but um but what i would like to see uh, is if like j michael straczynski was running it uh or e even like the head writer on it because i think this is like right up his alley they uh arturo and rembrandt team up and they go find jerry o'connell running a strip club in tampa that's how I yeah <laughs> and you know you are you already gave away that prime uh arturo dies but but you could always uh sorry it's been 20 years sue me hey but this is but we cover obscure stuff that people may not uh watch it's and may true. want to after it's uh, true i'm sorry you just don't care about the listeners I'm sorry i will uh punish myself later
But the great thing is you can still have him on the show. Just get one from another Earth. There you go. Well, that's how a multiverse so. destroys uh, death and consequences in movies and TV. But on sliders, it's okay like in sliders. it works. It, it doesn't feel like a deus ex machina. Sure. You know, sure. it doesn't feel cheap. Right. I agree. All right. Well, I guess this will be remembered. Oh, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I remembered <laughs> to hit the remembered. <laughs> In accordance to Obscure to Now, the most important streaming YouTube podcast in all of the internet, you shall be remembered. Yes. Good show. Good, good show. All right. Remembered it so, is. So uh, I, I, I did want to mention like a couple of the uh, other worlds that are... Um, kind of uh fun mm -hmm. uh or interesting um there's a world called uh spider wasp world okay where uh basically there's genetically these genetically engineered insects called spider it's a mix of a spider and a wasp and um they can eat through drywalls and have an appetite for human flesh and they decimated north and south america i think i remember that one uh, there's the British world where, um, like everyone's like in America has embraced like, you know, quote unquote proper British sophistication. But yeah, but that's because uh, the British won the revolutionary war. Right. Right. I'm not giving away too um, much again. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a uh, one called, uh, like cannibal worlds where hmm. there's like cannibals living in the jungles of San Francisco. The jungles hmm, of San Francisco. I don't think I remember that one. Um, there's one where uh, that's called Crying Man World, where yeah, like uh, he's he, yeah, he's like a huge star. He's like Elvis, that one being... basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one like called Einstein's World, where athletes are basically like mathletes. Like they have like a board to move on. Oh, that's every nerd's wet dream, right there. Yeah, they they wear like basketball uniforms, mm -hmm. but it's like this like bored and they have to like answer like an equation and i think maybe shoot a basket or something <laughs> to move on and like quinn is like a superstar mathlete basically That's fun. uh there's one called um uh mystic world where like magic and sorcery is real Ooh, man uh, i missed that one yeah and i don't know it might be that same episode mystic world but uh there's also there's an episode where like uh, vampires are real also <laughs> course because it was the 90s they they had to get the vampires in there yeah um there's a psychic world where like psychics are real i know that there's Call like me now for your free um, reading there's one where like everyone's nude it's like like nude world mm. um dinosaur world where i think you can imagine oh i remember that oh, the bad cgi oh thanks to jurassic park i remember that one well yep, yeah there's like one that's all about like gangsters uh and by the way, uh, some of these worlds that I've mentioned, uh, they only get visited for like a couple minutes. Right, right. And like then they, like, if it's too expensive, they immediately jump to another one. Yeah. Like something like that, like it, it, which is another great thing about the show. It's like sometimes you might get two, maybe maybe even three worlds in a show, um, depending on how they slide. Like I remember there's one and I'm so glad they did this where they slide into like the middle of like. You know, they, they thankfully happen to slide on land, but everything else around them is like lava or something. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, shit. And like, I think at this point they were it was later in the series and they could slide whenever they wanted to. And they like slide like um, right away or something they're like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. 
the timer has to go off. That's right. They're still on the timer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, God, when's the next slide? And thankfully, conveniently, it's like in the next like minute or something. Right, right. And like the rock that they're on is like crumbling or something and they get out just in time. And then the real show starts. Right, right, um, right. But that was But anyways, I'll, I'll stop because there's like tons and tons and tons and tons of worlds. There's way more worlds than there are episodes. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I think that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Ken, our, our one uh, live stream uh, attendee here. Uh, but of course, uh, no matter how you experience us, thanks for watching and or listening. Uh, we won't have a live episode next week because I will be at the uh, Pasadena Comic Con trying to spread the word about this podcast and, of course, uh, my comic book. Um, anything else to add? And I'll be at uh, Busy in Vampire World. <laughs> A.K.A. The, Which is the a castle. separate world that I did verify. <laughs> it's just the castle. Let's we'll be honest. But we'll still have a, a new episode, of course. It just won't be live. Uh, other than that, we will uh, see you next time as we continue to unearth more obscure media only on... Obscurity Now. See you next time. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscurity Obscurity Now. Now.